episode 141. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. you're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider it's pop culture leftovers five four three two one hey welcome to pop culture leftovers the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded i'm brian i'm jason and we're the leftovers (laughs) all right hey guys we have a uh, jake's not here this week no and uh, but we do have a special guest joining us today. And you, you know you know what upsets me, Harmon? <laughs> what upsets you? Yeah, you like you like how I introduced you there. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> anyway, we've got Jacob Harmon joining us again. This is like this is like your this is like uh, your third time. I think is what we worked out. Yeah, and it's great to be back. I love talking with you guys and talking about all this nerd shit. No, it's great to have you. I know it's like I hit you up with this just a couple days ago, and you were like down, and I was like, all right, yeah, Harmon's going to be joining us for our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows review. This is going to be fucking cool. Mm-hmm. But I, you're, I, I had a bumper made for you, sir, and it's not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I'll have to listen to it when it's on the podcast. It's not going to be on this episode. I want it to be. I, you got to promise me that you're going to join us again for another episode. If not. Sooner, you have to join us for the uh, the uh, Power Rangers mm. episode. Oh, absolutely! I'm totally down to podcast when you guys whenever. Awesome, awesome. Cool. So yeah, uh, next time you're on the show, there will be a bumper in your honor, sir. <laughs> so. Well, I did get that. Uh, you made that movie trailer for I think it was Razor's Revenge. Oh yeah, where it was all about my beard <laughs> yes. and like. The, yes. Yeah, you and my beard went on this crazy adventure <laughs> mobsters and shit. Yes. Like that that's still the highlight of my uh my podcasting career. <laughs> <laughs> so you really got a kick out of that one, didn't you? <laughs> oh, that was gold. Maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll try to find that one and try to insert it somewhere. <laughs> that was fun. Um yeah, that's yeah, but uh I do mention your sentient beard in the uh, in the bumper, so that does oh, happen. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but uh hold on, hold on guys listen hold on listen did you hear that yeah that was silent <laughs> do you want to know, you want to know why that's such a big deal this week yeah because we don't have daniel hopner <laughs> no daniel hopner on this interjecting week. yeah <laughs> it was getting a little out of control <laughs> last week a little yeah I mean, I was, you know, I was like, I don't know. I was really excited to have the guy on, mm-hmm. you know, nice, r- really nice guy. Yeah. Really. And then he just starts interrupting everybody. <laughs> and uh, I, at first, I, I think I was kind of nice about it, you know? Oh, yeah. You at, let it. You at, let it go. At first, I was kind of nice about it. <laughs> and then, uh, then, it, but he was kind of a smart ass about it. He was like, oh, I know. I'm so horrible. And it's like, it, it, it kind of when you're on a when you're on a podcast and you can really only pay attention to one voice at at, the, at a time yeah 
it kind of turns into an issue. And you're a guest. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I was actually going to change the name of the show to uh, Hop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> because I felt like that's where we were going towards. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, the dude was seriously, like, hijacking the show. <laughs> I thought I thought he was gonna go like all Barkhad Abdi from Captain Phillips and just be like, "I'm the captain now." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. It was like I've lost control of my fucking ship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's over with. <laughs> Speaking of Daniel Hopner, I got this email and it comes from uh, listener Josh Davis and it reads, "Dear leftovers and outs, shut up, Hopner. <laughs> Love Josh." <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that was a good email. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, uh, we do have quite a few emails that we need to read, uh, but we need Jake here for a lot of them. Mm. Uh, and uh, so I'm not going to let him off the hook for emails. Oh, he's going to love you he's for that. He's going to love you for that. <laughs> and so I'm going to wait to read those next week. Uh, but I do have some DC emails that I'll read this week. Okay. Jake doesn't give a shit about those. No, uh uh-uh. Hates him. Carmen, <laughs> what have you been up to, man? What have you been up to? Uh, are you gonna, did you do that Ferris Bueller thing? Cause I know they're doing that Ferris Bueller back in theaters in my area like this week or the next. See, I actually ended up missing that Ferris Bueller one. Uh, I've caught all the other 80s reissues they've done. Mm-hmm. And I think next month there's a, there's a drive-in over at one of the beaches by me and they're doing, uh, the Goonies. They're doing Jaws, a bunch of other classic movies. Oh, nice. So I'll definitely be going to see those. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving. I, I love, I've got to drive like eh, about 45 minutes to our nearest drive-in, but uh, it's always a cool experience when I do. Oh, totally. So um, let's see here. I don't know. What else has been new with you? Any, any, any big developments? Uh, not too much. Uh, I do got some good, uh, good pop and some bad pop for you this week. But- Sweet. All right, I think we are ready to move into. You know what? Let's just jump right into the advertised content. <laughs> oh, yeah. God forbid we don't get to the advertised content. <laughs> All right, we're going to be reviewing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows. It's directed by Dave Green. He is the brother of Brian Austin. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> Uh, I love how his last name is Green, and he gets the Turtles gig. Right, weird, huh? Well, it's, it's quite like, fitting. Well, yeah, and then you got Mark Webb, mm-hmm. who did Spider Man. Yeah, it's so, like it was meant to be, but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. The movie stars uh, Megan Fox as April O'Neil, Will Arnett back as Vernon Fenwick, uh, Laura Linney. I did not know she was in this movie. I was surprised by that too. Yeah, right. She was uh, Chief Vincent. Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. Noel Fisher as Michelangelo. Jeremy Howard as Donatello. Pete Plasek as Leonardo. Alan Richson uh, as Raphael. Tyler Perry in there as Baxter Stockman. Uh, Brian T. as the Shredder. Brian T. is the new Shredder. Yeah. The older Shredder was a much, not a much older actor, but an older actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, the, from the first one. Uh, we've got uh, Stephen Farrelly as Rocksteady and Seamus played did Stephen Fairley play the body and Seamus was the voice yeah well sh- that's a good question yeah I guess Seamus was the voice or for Ste- sure or Stephen Fairley's is that Seamus's real name it might be his real name I don't know it's got to be his real name because that sure looked like him before he mutated yeah, yeah. it seemed like his expressions and whatnot 
well, I, yeah, I just I definitely his voice. I knew I, I knew like three or four people actually made like in Deadpool, mm-hmm. three or four different actors made up Colossus. You right. had the voice, you had. Uh, and, and there's like two guys that did the body or something like that. It was kind of ridiculous all that went into Colossus. So I yeah. didn't know if they did the same thing here. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's his real name or not. I was kind of confused by that too. We had uh, Gary Anthony Williams as Bebop, Peter Donald Badalamenti the second as Splinter. <laughs> uh, a hell and, of a name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Tony Shalhoub did the voice for right. Splinter. Brad Garrett as Krang, uh, who played uh, Robert on Everybody Loves Raymond. Yep. He was the voice of Krang. And, guys, I found out that Fred Armisen was originally meant to voice Krang, but he dropped out uh, due to uh, scheduling conflicts. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading that, too. And uh, we got no Whoopi Goldberg. She did not return. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Not this time. Too busy. <laughs> Harmon, what did you think? We're going to jump in here and rate it here real quick. Oh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has a, a runtime of 112 minutes and an estimated budget of about $135 million. Uh, and uh, we are going to first rate and review the movie, uh, but we could be dropping huge spoilers for the film. So if you're a spoiler pussy, you might want might to leave now. Here's our spoiler warning. This is a Pop Culture Leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. Yeah, before we go ahead and rate this new one, Harmon, I know you you watched the, the original one. I don't know how long it's been, but, I mean, if you were to rate that one... Um, Oh, shit, I didn't even go over a rating system. Fuck that. Let's, uh, let's I, I'm, I'm just, I'm hitting this one out of the park this week, guys. I'm doing a bang up job this week. I'm gonna have Harmon rate it here, but if this is your first time, you're gonna be like, who the fuck, what the fuck is this guy talking about? So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you our rating system. That way you're familiar with it. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, so Harmon, like, you watched the first one. I, me and Jake, we both gave it taste-its for the, for the first film. What did you think about the first Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that came out in 2014, directed by uh, Jonathan Liebesman? See, I vividly remember walking out of the theater and tweeting you guys and being like, oh, this movie's so great, it's a Tupperware. And then I let it cool down for a bit, and when I rewatched it, it got to taste it for yeah. for what it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I, I was right there with that taste. I actually just watched it again. It's on Hulu, mm-hmm. and I just watched it again last week before this one, just kind of like a, you know, just like kind of like a refresher, uh, you know, Getting myself prepped up for the old Out of Shadows movie. Yeah. Out of Shadows right. movie. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and rate this one. Uh, Harmon, I want you to go ahead and go first and uh, go ahead and rate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Uh, for me, this movie is a solid high taste it. Uh, there was enough wrong with it that I can't give it a Tupperware, but it had a lot of great references to various older Turtles franchises, and uh, it really... It harkens back, you know, it plays on that nostalgia note, and that's why I'm giving it the high taste it. 
I taste it. Okay, Jay, what did you think about Out of, Out of the Shadows? Um, uh, yeah, for me, uh, I'd say the first movie was also a taste it. I really enjoyed it. Um, it definitely uh, was better than I thought it was going to be. You know, hearing all the reviews, and <clears throat> I would say, you know, before this, I did read some of the reviews. I spoiled some stuff. Um, but that really did not change my opinion in the long run. I absolutely loved this. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to Tupperware it. I had a great fucking time. Um, I think there was a lot more character development in this. And like, like Harmon said, the nostalgia factor really hit me on so many levels. It was there. It reminded me of, of the, the cartoon that I watched growing up. I never read the comics, but the cartoons kind of where I come from. And I think this harkened back to that in so many ways. Um, there really wasn't a lot of missed moments in this for me. I, I enjoyed almost every second of this. So yeah, total Tupperware for me. I um I, I watched this uh, and I I'm gonna give it a I'm just gonna give it another taste. It mm. it's a taste it for me. Um, I'm there with you with char- I'm there with you with character development for half of the turtles. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the movie did a good job of giving us more character development of um. Of uh, Raphael again, yeah. I, th- I th- felt like he got a lot in the first film. They gave him more in the second one, and I think they gave a lot more to Michelangelo. Oh in yeah, this one. oh yeah. Um, where I think they were lacking is I still don't get a sense of. I understand that Donatello likes gadgets and yeah. he makes gadgets, but I don't know who Donatello is. Okay. In this. Okay. And I don't think that if you were to ask many people like about Donatello and his character in this. They can tell you much more than right. yeah. He makes gadgets and he's a longer, lankier looking turtle. Mm-hmm. He's a geeky turtle, right? And I think Leo is kind of just like ho hum in this, mm. you know. So, and for all the fussing that the producers were making about, oh, this one really, you're really going to get a feel for all the individual turtles. I don't think it did it. Okay. Um, I also feel like Shredder is just kind of like a throwaway bad guy, kind of like. If if I were to, you know, I, I'm not the suit looked better. Yeah, for sure. Let's just jump into it, yeah. guys. Yeah, let's break it down. All right, cool. I think the suit looked better on Shredder. I do too. I, 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 I Definitely. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like the Megatron. No. Magnetic, <laughs> magnetic blade. Uh, you know, uh, he's got his fucking like uh, Gillette razor blade fucking suit. Yeah. Throwing, you know, uh, these magnetic blades to him and back at him. It's yeah. Like, like a boomerang blade shit. They toned it down, and I like that. They toned it down, and I like that. But if you were to ask me, like, you know, like, like, I don't know. His performance didn't stand out, mm-hmm. you know? I and, and I think a lot of that has to do, it's because you've got a villain in here, and it's like, what are his motives? Like, I understood, like, in the cartoon that these guys, they... They grew up together. Yeah. You know, you've got Hermato Yoshi and you've got Oroku Saki mm-hmm. and they're rivals. Yeah. But now it's just like he's just a fucking guy in a metal suit that ha- that hates a rat. Uh-huh. And hates turtles. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't have that 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 backstory. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, it makes total sense. And that backstory from the cartoon and the comics, that adds so much more importance to the character of shredder Mm -hmm. yeah and that's lacking from this new version yeah yeah it is i i thought you know that being said i thought in some ways he was closer to to 
you know, without the backstory, yeah, they did not flesh that out. He was in there, and then he was kind of not there. Um, but I think they they played to him not being the the baddest ass out there. You know, I think they definitely did that, which I enjoyed when they introduced somebody else. We'll talk about that. Yeah, and the way he behaved with with Rocksteady and Bebop. I thought that was more in his character from the co- from the cartoon, mm-hmm. where it was kind of goofy and kind of fatherly, you know, even though he's this evil dude, but he's still kind of fatherly to these two goofballs. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, it. He wasn't really the focus, though, for me either. Like, I, it, that didn't make or break it for me, but, yeah, I would agree with you. He wasn't... Uh, he was definitely kind of thrown in there and thrown out of there. Well, and, and I don't make, and I don't mean to make the comparison, but it felt like, you know, how like Megatron was like the main villain mm-hmm. in the first Transformers movie. And then towards your second and third movie, he's taken a back seat. Yes. Yeah. And that's what it felt like here uh-huh. is like he kind of took a back seat and they never. We, I don't think we've ever gotten a proper shredder as far as like getting to know who this character is, his motivations, and then also who the Foot Clan are. I mean, the Foot Clan are supposed to be ninjas, and, and I understand that these guys have ninja skills, but when these guys are showing up with rifles and machine guns, it's like, okay, you're basically you're not you're not the Foot Clan. You're soldiers. Yeah, yeah. They didn't act right. like ninjas. No, very very seldomly act like ninjas. Yeah, yeah. So the whole Foot Clan thing was just used as a plot device mainly, and I think Shredder too. It was it was made to lead up to other things, and I feel like um, I feel like Shredder's story is not done. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. I think we will eventually see the Shredder we know and love, and I think this kind of this movie kind of set that up a little bit. What are you thinking, Harmon? You know, I did think that uh, what happened with Shredder getting frozen and all that. I think that leads to a great possibility of him in a future movie popping up in Dimension X. Mm-hmm. And who knows what we're gonna see? Are we gonna get the neutrinos? Yeah. Um, there's so many possibilities that they've opened up now. And he's got to come back, and he's going to be even more badass than before. So let's hope so. That that's my hope, at least, is mm-hmm. that that's why they left it kind of shallow. Like this is a reintroduction to Shredder because yeah. the first movie was over the top. I mean, he was over the top. I didn't relate to that character at all. Well, that's the, the movie they should have got Shredder right the they first should've. time. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. They and needed to get him right in that movie. Yeah, and they didn't. I mean, and I don't think. And I'm not saying anything against Brian T. I, I don't know the guy. I don't think they gave him much to work with in this movie. Right. I mean, really, they didn't. No. Mm-mm. And so I think and, and in the last film, you're pretty much following William Fickner's character of uh, Sax yeah. the entire time. Right. And then they do the switcheroo, and it's there isn't, you know, everybody was thinking he was going to be the Shredder. Yeah. And then it turns out that they, there actually is a Shredder. I don't know, man. I, I love the way this movie started off. The whole Madison Square Garden Nick <sighs> Nick's basketball scene was just perfect. It was oh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Will Arnett was hilarious. The the part where I, I, you know, and I'm cracking up as, yeah. as they're watching the game and 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 they're talking and you know Will Arnett's talking and and as soon as Mike drops that piece of pizza man <laughs> i'm literally like in the theater going oh my god oh my god yeah. oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole audience was like oh shit it was awesome <laughs> and that's such a mikey moment too like, yeah of any of the turtles that would do that he's the one that would 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, like, and I know, another thing that I noticed in this movie is I feel like the motion capture for the facial expressions was so much better. Brilliant, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, that that that's that blew my mind. I would say that's another reason why I, I'm Tupperwareing this is that I really felt the the emotions of these characters for the first time, and I felt like, yeah, these are my turtles. So you know, like you you were saying that you missed out on some things with Donatello and stuff like yeah. that, or they shortchanged them. Yeah. But I think in some ways, for me, they made that up with how expressive and in, in everything that the CGI was, mm-hmm. and, and I really felt like these are my turtles for more so than the first movie mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. So yeah, you're right, man. The CGI was brilliant. On yeah, that. the CGI was really good. Uh, I felt. Um, let's see here. Um, I love that Nick scene. I, I loved, uh, I, I don't know if I, 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 I really enjoyed Stephen Amell in yeah. this, yeah. but we didn't get enough of, of, of the Casey Jones that we know of. Right. And I feel like Casey Jones would have been better served had he been introduced in the first film. Mm-hmm. Fighting against the, the Foot Clan and then fighting against... I think it was a little bit too much to pack him in here into this one. And we only really get one Casey Jones scene with him with the mask on. I yeah. feel like you've already got a movie where you're wanting us to believe that you've got Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah. fighting against a brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is it so hard to believe that you just can't have a guy that's a vigilante uh-huh. fighting crime with a hockey mask at night? Right. And I felt like... This movie, it didn't fit, but I feel like in the first one, it could have. Uh-huh. Like, the city is overrun by the Foot Clan. The guy the guy that's been trying to hold it down has been Stephen Amell and yeah. then uh, Casey Jones. And then finally his paths cross with the Turtles. Yeah. But, like, in this one, it's like you introduce him as, like, a, and I don't know if this is canon in any of the Turtles I don't stories think so. where he was, like, uh, he he was a police officer, or, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, that was something totally new for this movie. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't like it, because it felt like, how, so is, is, is he a police officer, or is he a vigilante? And mm. is he both? I... I how are they going to do this in the next film? If you're only going to give him one proper scene and that scene in the mask, he wasn't even really with the turtles. Right. We didn't even really get to see him fight side by side with the turtles in the mask. Did we, did that happen? Harmon? No, we didn't really get to see that. And that's a major letdown. Yeah. Because like he was fighting those thugs in the alley with Megan Fox's April O'Neil. Yeah. And, but we never saw him like, I mean, the the mask pretty much had already come off, and he's interacting with the turtles. They didn't give him a reason to be putting on that mask either. He just he just put it on. Like there wasn't really a reason for him to put on that mask he, at that time. He just said he liked hockey. Right. I mean, at one point earlier in the film, and so he opens it up and he puts that on. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't like police officer Casey Jones. Right. I want I wanted. And I think that he would have been better served had his character introduction been in the first film, albeit we wouldn't have got Stephen Amell at that time. But I feel like in this movie, it when you've already got a movie that's cram-packed with Rocksteady, Bebop, Krang, the Technodrome, all these things, that you're also throwing him into the mix. Yeah. it's it, For me, it just felt like, yeah, he's going to get shortchanged. But leave out that whole police officer story. 
I, that didn't make sense to me. Just make the guy a fucking vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, That's what Casey Jones is supposed to be. And like, it's like and, and he's like mysterious to the turtles. Like they don't know who this guy is. Right. And they might think he's a villain. And they show up to kick his ass or something. Right. Next thing you know, the Foot Clan shows up and they're all fighting side by side. Yeah. And there's your introduction right. to Casey Jones. Not not he's a police officer and he's trying to thwart the Foot Clan and Baxter Stockman from you know rescuing him out of this uh big old fucking Brinks truck or whatever the yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like the old school Casey Jones. I like the old school from the original movies. I like the kind of derelict, you know, dirty fucking bum type Casey Jones. He's always had a mullet. Yeah. And, and he, he, no. That's all he has in his mm-hmm. life is being a vigilante. And at this point he's still even at the end of this movie, it's still questionable as to well, is he going to become a cop now, a detective mm. now, and still be Casey Jones, or and still be a vigilante? Did he? Did he ever become? Not really. A vigilante? Yeah. Did he ever? Not really. No. Never. No. no really. He did not. He just he just helped out with April in that one scene. You know, pretty much. He so. was basically. Yeah, Harmon. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? You know, I think my favorite origin of Casey is uh, in the current run of IDW comics. Yeah. Um, you know, Raph is kind of estranged from the other turtles. And he meets Casey, and they're doing their own thing together. But Casey has an he he's like a late teenager at that point, mm-hmm. and he lives with an abusive father who's always drinking and beating him. And then Raph ends up beating the shit out of Casey's father, mm. and that's how he kind of gets in with the turtles. And it's a, that was I think a much better story than Casey ever being a police officer because that's not who I think of Casey Jones. I think of someone who's you know, not not necessarily walking as straight and narrow of a path as a police officer would. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, we basically got introduced to Jim Gordon. Yeah, yeah, for right. sure. And I don't like it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm with Harmon. I think we should lighten things up and introduce alcoholism into this. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fuck it, you know. Here you go, kids. <laughs> Harmon just wants that heavy drinking. Harmon, I think you've been. I think you've been. I think you just want to have fucking Jonathan Bender play fucking Casey Jones, don't you? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> I, I will say, even though I, I I also agree with you, the origin was a little bit weak. I love that. Like you could tell his enthusiasm for the character. Oh, I loved him. I know that was great. That, that's that's what I okay. That's what I want from the character. Yeah, I love the way he. Pl- I love Stephen Amell. Mm-hmm. His acting in this. Yeah, his excitement level. He was fun. He was great. I thought he was just his the backstory. Right. Everything else about the character that makes him cool, like Harmon kind of like said, like in the IDW comics and like even in the cartoons and in the, in the original movies. I mean, I've never seen him as a police officer. Right, right. And yeah. I just wanted to see like this like a maybe a darker character that would the turtles could play off that. You know, yeah. you've got like you've got the straight man and then you got like the funny comedic guys, you know, and the turtles you know, there could be, like, Raph has always taken things sh- shit way too seriously. <laughs> yeah. And if you got Raph fucking getting on him about him being so dark and shit. Yeah. And calling him Batman or whatever. Right, right. That's, that makes for some funny moments, but I felt like, I don't know, I just, I didn't like his backstory in this one, and I, I didn't like that we only got, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we only got the one scene with him with the with the mask on. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was just that one. Yeah, and it's like, why are you scared to have a guy with a hockey mask on, 
fighting people when you've got a movie where you've got a talking brain, <laughs> a guy that turns into a rhino, a guy that turns into a warthog, and you've got four turtles running around fighting them. Why are you scared to do that when you've got all this other crazy-ass shit going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, that was kind of – that was a little bit uh... – uh, yeah, I, I, I would say I, I'm in the same boat on that as well. But, it you know, again, like his performance for me, the heart that he had in it was, mm-hmm. was definitely there. So I enjoyed watching him play the character, even yeah. though the story wasn't wasn't the Casey Jones I wanted or you wanted for yeah. sure. I did like the – okay, let's talk about – okay, the, there's the, the scene where Shredder is uh, – they're, they're trying to get break Shredder out of that uh, truck. He's on his way to like a prison. Yeah. They're trying to break him out. The one part that I didn't understand about this, and maybe you guys can kind of help me with it, is the fact like they tr- they try to get him with the helicopter, and the whole time this is going on, the 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 turtle wagon, the party wagon, yeah, um, is is you know firing the the manhole covers at him, and the turtles are fighting guys on motorcycles. But the whole time they've got this helicopter trying to they're cutting a hole at the at the top of the truck, and they're gonna they're going to uh, try to pull off this escape and get get Shredder out of there. What I didn't understand is like when that doesn't work, when when Leonardo cuts the line that the Shredder's escaping on, their next big thing is to use a portal gun (laughs) yeah right but hold on hold on so they're going to use a portal gun Mm -hmm. they've got a gun that can create an interdimensional portal or just a portal an escape portal right yeah but didn't baxter stockman specifically say he didn't know where it went to yeah he did yeah Harmon, correct me if i'm wrong didn't he say that i think so but i know the uh the whole point of extracting Shredder with the helicopter was to get him to that that rendezvous point, mm-hmm. and then they were going to use the the transporter on him anyway. Yeah. Okay. They said bring the teleporter to him, basically. But they don't know where. They, right. But didn't they say? Didn't Baxter say like he admit that like he's like I don't even know where it went to. Yeah. Where it goes to. He did. He did. So. I don't. What, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I Who think. Knows? Well, yeah, well the, hold on. the line gets cut, and yeah. then he's just like, "Well, now we got to use the the transponder or whatever." The transporter. Transporter. Transponder is like for satellite. Yeah. Signal. Now we got to use the transporter. Yeah. But we don't know where it's going to go. But that's the only way that we can at this time get him out of here. That's that's what that's how I took it. So he could go anywhere. Yeah. They. The, he's literally he did say anywhere. That. Yeah. They said we have to find him basically after that. They happened. don't even know if he's going if he's going to be on Earth. Nope. If he's going to be on Mars. Nope. <laughs> another dimension. And Shredder just forgives him. The basically. dark side of the moon where he suffocates and dies. <laughs> yeah. You don't know. I mean, it could it could teleport him. You know. Uh, miles uh, below the Earth's surface. Into the ground. Into magma. Yeah. And <laughs> burns to death, or he's in the ocean. But that's your brilliant plan. You've got this brilliant scientist yeah. who created a... Well, he's using alien... I guess, is it alien technology that came here from a meteorite? Extra-dimensional, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's using this technology, but he has no idea how it works. Right. Just that... And and where Shredder will end up, I don't understand. That. <laughs> that's that's true, man. That's exactly what happened, though. <laughs> Harmon, am I off base here? Because there's going to be that one asshole listener that 
totally understands this whole thing or knows how to fucking use Wikipedia or something. <laughs> and that asshole will look up the fucking answer and then tell us we're stupid for not getting it. Right. See, I think the line about not knowing where Shredder went came after they teleported him. And he might have been expecting it to take him back to maybe where they were located. Maybe they thought it would just transport him back to the where the base transporter was located. That's a lot of that's a lot of assuming. <laughs> yeah. So there there is some asshole out there who's gonna assume that that's maybe what happened. But I mean that's as far stretched as I can get with it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make much sense. Okay. I just was like, well, am I the only one <laughs> in the theater that has a problem with this right now? Like, I, if some, if honestly, if I'm on the other end of that and I'm Shredder and I'm hearing something like, oh, we're going to shoot him with a portal gun, and I know he can't hear them, and <laughs> but if I knew that these guys are going to shoot me with a portal gun and I could end up literally anywhere, yeah. I'm screaming, no, don't do it. Just exactly. take, no, me to, take me to prison. <laughs> That's like more of something he would use as a weapon than something he would use to save his ass. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably would have been easier to get him out of prison than all of that shit that they did to get right. him out of that truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he doesn't like. I was expecting big time vengeance on on uh, Tyler Perry's character at that point. Like, dude, you fucked up. You sent me to a dimension with a talking brain that fucking slapped me around, and then he just comes back as like, oh, oh, you. Basically, he doesn't punish him. Mm-hmm. The Shredder from back in the day would have fucking punished that guy. He wouldn't oh, have totally. even existed anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of weak, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that scene was so fun that I wasn't like looking at the the specifics of that. So, I know, but you're right. Like, Jay just uh, Jay goes into every fucking movie, just turns his goddamn brain off. <laughs> yeah, stop thinking. Whatever. Jay's just Jay's just <laughs> no critical thinking. Fucking half of the popcorn's not even making it in your fucking mouth. You're just like you got like popcorn fucking falling off your just face. drooling. You got <laughs> fucking milk duds all over the goddamn floor. Like a f- fucking vegetable. Some f- fucking invalid sitting there in the fucking theater. <laughs> turtles! Turtles, I love turtles! Yeah. I like turtles! <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Uh. So. What'd you guys think about, I mean, we get, uh, we, we get, uh, introduced to Seamus and we, uh, Rocksteady and Bebop in this scene. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I I didn't mind them. I, I don't watch. Don't get me wrong. I don't watch professional wrestling, so I'm not familiar with Sheamus all that much. Yeah. Other than that, uh, if you saw him outside on a sunny day and you look directly at him, you might go blind. <laughs> He's very pale. Yeah. Yeah. And it might actually kill him. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what did you guys think of your Rocksteady and Bebop? Human. Oh, I fucking loved it. They were they were probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, like they just. They seem like they came right out of the 87 cartoon. Yeah. Like, they looked the part. They still had the big glasses and the mohawk. And they Michelangelo even referenced it. Oh, you know, bringing the mohawk back, man. Like, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you, man. I, I feel like uh, they were the two I was the most worried about after the trailers. But uh, I think they nailed it, even from the introduction before they became... Rocksteady and Bebop completely became the mutants that we know. I still think that was a great introduction to who they were. And then from there, they just built upon it once, once they mutated. I think they stayed the same, same characters. And, you know, like, 
every time I saw them on screen, I'm like, man, this is these are my guys. They seem this to, is Rocksteady and Bebop. Yeah, they're idiots, and I get it. They're from the '87 cartoon, but like uh, bringing it back to real re- re- reality. If I got turned into a fucking uh, warthog, I'd be pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> I, this, this does not affect my rating. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if if I if like they turned me into a fucking warthog or a rhino, I'd be pissed it's, as fuck. Seems pretty gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it was kind of weird. Like after they mutated, like they're all like, "Oh, look how strong I am!" And then like they lift open their pants and look down at their dicks, and he's like, "Oh, my man." Yeah, like <laughs> Rhino that Dick. That was a little weird. I didn't expect to see that. <laughs> wow, I don't even remember that part. Oh yeah, yeah. That oh happened. yeah, that happened. I must have missed that. <laughs> I thought it was weird too that the explanation for them turning into the rhino and pig is that we all come from a certain animal. Yeah, yeah. And so his ancestry came from rhinos. And the other dude came from warthogs? Well, they're saying that we all have an inherent uh, animal gene within us. Yeah. Not necessarily that we came from that creature, but that yeah. same gene that's in us is in another animal. Okay. That's how I that's how I took it, at least. I don't know about you, Harmon. What did you take from that? Yeah, that's what they were saying. And it is it is what it is for this movie's, you know, this universe of the turtles. It's It's fine. I definitely prefer the old way where it was... You know, if a rat got hit with a mutagen and the last thing it touched was a human, they kind of fused together that way. Mm-hmm. But uh I mean, it is what it is for this movie and it didn't it didn't bother me. Mhm. And it does Could you imagine if everyone's got all these, you know, these secret genes within them and that they they weaponize that that mutagen? And then just put it out in the city. Then you have people turning into like bird people and mm. and hippopotamus Don't, people and shit. Harmon, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on. If they do that, which I can totally see that happening, that is basically Transformers, the first film where all the electronics start turning into robots, like the soda machine, the Xbox. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's – don't recycle that story. <laughs> that was stupid the first time. Speaking of Transformers, uh, there was that scene where they're they're having, like, the Day of the Dead parade there. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, Michelangelo's out, and that guy comes up as the, the little SUV and transforms into Bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, what did your guys' theater react to it? Because, like, everyone in my crowd lost it. Oh, they were loving it in my theater, yeah. Um, I went on opening night, Thursday. And, but, see, I went to a – I went to, I didn't go to a bigger theater that I usually go to. Um, there were only – there were about ten people in my theater. Oh, okay. So it wasn't a big reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of kids that were loving that, you know, and uh yeah, I I heard some reaction to that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I enjoyed it personally. Oh, I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. You hear about what Shia LaBeouf's doing these days? I heard that from you today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I don't know. <laughs> he is uh tweeting his um location like his uh uh GPS coordinates, you know. And All right. Yeah, he's he's in Colorado last time I checked. And I, Good Morning America was following him and uh and I think it's like Vice is doing like this article on him or something and like he is just walking around and tweeting his location and people are 
driving to these locations and they pick him up and they get to take him anywhere. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Isn't like, that fucking nuts? Like he's going to get fucking killed. He's going to get murdered. <laughs> Shil- I know. Buffalo Bill shit's going to go down with him. Yeah. No oh shit. god, yeah. No shit. What yeah. happened to him? What is it? Is it the fame? Is it the drugs? Is it a combination? Why? It's got to be the fame and drugs. I mean, people just don't do this. Normal people just don't do this. No. Yeah, no. no. He snapped. (laughs) Yeah, we get to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I I mean, I... I, We're... uh, Stephen Amell, there was a vanilla ice Easter egg egg in this. They started playing... Oh, I lost that. That was so great. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In the jukebox at the yeah. bar where he's trying to find him. He's like, I love this song. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I liked it. Yeah. yeah it was kind of like yeah, paying tribute to that uh, that second Turtles movie. Oh, yeah. Go, Ninja, go. Go, uh, Ninja, go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man, you know, uh, what else What else about this movie? Well, uh, when uh, early on when uh-huh. she was, when Megan Fox was uh, hacking into Baxter Stockman's email. Yeah. When her, her little watch got to 100%. It turned into the logo of like an '87 Donatello. Yes, that was cool. Yes, yeah, it did. That was, like there's a lot of neat little throwbacks like that for the older fans. Well, let's talk about the end, like the end credits where they started singing like the song, the classic song. So happy, dude! My girlfriend got so pissed off at me because I was just singing along with it, and she's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are they gonna? Oh, um. I, re- I was watching the first movie, and they were talking about doing testing with animals. Uh-huh. Sax was talking about testing with animals, and he was saying, like, the only animals that they had done testing on it before were rabbits. Did you guys – I mean, when he said uh, rabbits, were you guys thinking – Yusaki? Yeah. Yusaki Ojimbo. Yusaki Ojimbo. Yeah. Do you think that will ever happen? Do, but does does the Turtles – do they own the rights to Yusaki Ojimbo? Because I, I, is, is that a – because he does his own separate comics and – Stuff like that now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Osagi Ojimbo is actually one of my favorite comic books. Yeah. Uh, it's owned by Stan Stakai. Uh-huh. Um, he is, I believe, Usagi is the longest-running independent comic book. Um, it's, like, right now the books are published by Dark Horse, but Stan Stakai retains his rights to everything. So there is a good chance that if he wanted to license him out, we could see it. Okay. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. That yeah. would be awesome. And, and I felt like, like in the first movie, that was kind of like a, kind of like a tease or an Easter egg for that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what, let's talk about the big action pieces, uh, set pieces in this one. I mean, we had like the whole, uh, the, the parachuting scene. Um, and then it goes into the scene, like, I don't know where they were geographically, but I Brazil. mean... Brazil. Well, they were originally in Brazil. Oh. Did, it, did the whole thing take place in Brazil? I thought so. The Rock Steady and Bebop were on their way back from Brazil, so we're, we're in definitely in South America. Yeah, we're somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved I loved all the... I loved the action scenes in this. Mm-hmm. I felt like it went on a little too long, though, at certain points. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the... I, the plane scene was my favorite. And I, and I think it was a long, huge scene, but I enjoyed that scene a lot. I mean, before that, we got the chase scene, of course, with the, with the Brinks truck. Mm-hmm. And then we've got this scene. And I, I thought it was great. Oh, I mean, I love the plane scene where Rocksteady was in the tank and he starts blowing out the back end. Yeah, he just destroyed it. And he says something like, yeah, I guess I didn't think that out too well or something. 
<laughs> there were a lot of laughs in that scene. I enjoyed that. I, I like. I will. I will say this about the action scenes, especially that for me. Like it was fun because they injected so much humor and character into that scene. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just mindless action. I thought the chase scene was kind of mindless action, but I felt like this whole, even though it was a little bit long, I enjoyed that because mm-hmm. we got to see more of these characters interact. And I liked the battle between the turtles and Rocksteady and Bebop in that scene too. That's really the only scene we get with with them battling each other like that hardcore mm-hmm. so i thought it was pretty fun what'd you think armin uh, i definitely loved the whole airplane scene they handled all the way the turtles interacted with bebop and rocksteady was exactly what i wanted out of it there was a lot of good laughs like when the tank turned upside down and then his head pops to the bottom of the airplane and it was great and then they you know when the plane finally crashes down uh and then they, you know, they're all swimming in the river, and then the, it was pretty great when the turtles fell off the waterfall, and yes. then you see them all pop into their shells. Yeah, like I've never seen that. Before. Neither have I. So that was that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Let's uh, let's talk about like um, the introduction to uh, Shredder, uh, Shredder's introduction to Krang when he's finally in the dimension. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like a weird kind of interaction at first. It was just kind of like. You know, I've, I, I, hi, I'm a fucking brain and I, we're gonna, I'm gonna take over the earth and, you know, you, you can, you can join me or whatever. Uh huh. It just seemed like it just went, it was just like this really quick understanding of like, yeah, this is how it's gonna go down. It was, yeah. And Shredder wasn't like questioning like where the fuck he was and what he was doing there. Yeah, it was, takes me back to like, I just felt like Shredder was just in this movie to be, just to be Shredder. Yeah. And just look like a guy in a suit. Yeah. And he's cool with being slapped around, too. I mean, he basically walks into this dimension. Krang walks up immediately. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, I'm exploring where the fuck I am. Right. Krang's already there. He knows that he's come. Yeah. And then he just beats the shit out of him, basically, and tells him he's his right. servant. And then he goes with it. Mm-hmm. He feels like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he felt like he didn't have a choice in the matter, but there was no, like, angry shredder. Like, no, you're not going to boss me around kind of type yeah, situation. Even, like, you know, once he got back to Earth, he would have been like, oh, you know what? Fuck this guy. No, I'll go along with you. But, dude, the whole time, Baxter Stockman's going to be working with me to take your ass down. That would, yeah, and I agree. It made a lot more sense having that subplot there. Yeah. Use Baxter Stockman more efficiently. Right. Yeah. So, um, what did you guys think about Brad Garrett's voice as Krang? I wasn't the biggest fan. Yeah, it was. I liked it more than, uh, who was it, Fred Armistad, who was going to do it before? Yeah. Yeah, I think Brad Garrett was a better choice, but. I still don't think it was as good as they could have went, but it was yeah. it was serviceable. It was totally fine. Yeah, but it didn't stand out. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't the quirky uh, quirky voice that. I mean, there were hints of it. There were hints of it when he kind of like raised his voice a little bit, like higher. But it wasn't the Krang that I remember at all. So the the voice didn't really do it for me. The look, however, I enjoyed, mm-hmm. even though it was a little different. I still enjoyed the look of him and and his suit for sure. Yeah. But the voice, yeah, it was okay. It was just okay. What about the final battle with Krang and, you know, uh the turtles? Uh we've got this uh Krang is coming into this dimension and the Technodrome is forming. Mm-hmm. Uh and the turtles have to stop, you know, Krang before the Technodrome is fully operational. Yeah. Um I felt like 
the I felt like this fight went on a little too long. Mm-hmm. The other one, I thought the other one was, I, I loved the parachute scene yeah. and the river scene and seeing the turtles swim and all that shit. Re- Rocksteady and Bebop, you know, in a tank. Yeah. That's awesome. I felt like this final scene just went on a little too long. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would agree with you. Like, uh, and, and it was basically just rehash, I think. I think it's the same almost fight scene that we saw from Shredder in the original, where mm-hmm. he's just getting getting more weapons and throwing more weapons. I mean, that's yeah. basically what Krang did. Yeah. You know, they wanted to show the team. And, and, I mean, that's what's great about this movie is there's so much team building with the Turtles. And uh, they, they do this one last monumental team building effort to, to beat Krang. And you don't I, – I don't think I really saw the final – you know, the final, mm-hmm. this is what the team is. This is what all this has led up to as a team. I don't feel like I got that out of the Krang fight. No, I think you got, like, the team building up and being a team from, like, there was a split in the team when they found out that that purple mutagen, that new ooze, could, like, if you if you use that stuff, it could turn them human. Right, right. And you've got, on one side, you've got Leonardo and Donatello Leonardo saying, no, we're not doing this. And on the other side, you've got Raphael saying, well, what if I want to be a human? Yeah. And then, you know, Michelangelo, of course, he wants to be human. Mm-hmm. And then that caused a split in the turtles. And then I think just them fighting to – is it just them fighting together? Is, basically. Is, is, is that what it is? Is that how they make up? Or? Yeah, basically. Like, that's what I felt like. I felt like they did such a great job splitting them up and dividing them. And then they kind of get back together. And then the payoff is supposed to be the well, crane. I like Harmon. I, I don't know about you. Did you really enjoy the scene, the Ocean's Eleven scene, where they're breaking in to that facility and they're going to get the, uh, they're getting the, the ooze? Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting how it all worked out, and at the end of that scene when uh, when Raphael had to call Leo and Donnie for backup, mm-hmm. and the the four reunited, mm-hmm. I think that was a big moment for for the turtles and their 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 building on their relationships that they are brothers. Yeah, but that scene in general, I I had fun with it for the most part. I did think the Megan Fox doing the oh Cowabunga line was a little. <laughs> It seemed a little forced, but it is what it was. Well, even in the first movie, it was Raphael that said it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's like you want to hear that out of Michelangelo, and mm-hmm. they, they haven't done that. So. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, which is odd. But um, one scene that really kind of bothered me, and it was the scene when they are in South America, and Raph is on shore now. Yeah. And he looks up and sees one of those gigantic Galapagos turtles mm-hmm. and that was just kind of like well for me it was just kind of like fucked up because i was thinking like what if this was like um like uh i don't know what one of those sh- one of those shows like maury or something or like like we're reuniting you with your long lost parent and <laughs> <laughs> like roth there's your dad yeah <laughs> It was very strange. That was a strange scene. They probably could have edited that it's, out. It's weird. When you have like a, a humanoid turtle looking at a real turtle, it's almost like watching a pig eat bacon. <laughs> exactly. You know what? I, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. It is. 
Yeah, that 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 was an odd choice to to keep that scene in. I thought that was unnecessary. <laughs> God, what and why? When when was he like like worried about being in the water? I don't remember that either. Like, oh, thank God, I'm on dry land, and he's kissing the ground. Oh, well, it's because he was falling. from oh, from, from, the, a, from the fucking airplane. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. He's happy to be back on ground where that he doesn't have sense. to worry about falling to his fucking death. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right about that. <laughs> um. And the whole thing with the uh, reverse mutagen stuff, yeah. I mean, did you guys get to think for even a second that we might get to see, like, turtles as humans in that final battle? I thought so. I, I thought it was going to happen. Like, I thought it would be, like, an accident. Like, Raph, you know, grabs the, the ooze too tightly and yeah. it gets all over him. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, fuck, how you know? And then... Donnie has to somehow reverse engineer it for the next movie to fix them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And they could actually have show the actor Alan Richson as Raph. Right. Yeah, uh, that would be very cool because I, I actually I, I enjoy that actor quite a bit. I I thought they were going to do that just to show that you know show more as to why they needed to be the the Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. instead of humans. Yeah, I thought they were going to show that to show like okay you don't want to be a human because you can't save people without it. But then of course they explained it like we're the only ones that can get close to mm-hmm. the Terradrome or the the Technodrome, so we have to stay as turtles. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a little bit of a cop out because I, I was kind of excited to see it myself at least one of them and then to to use that as a weakness against their team mm-hmm. so that they have to go back to being turtles yeah but so then of course we get the scene of like shredder being frozen so yeah yeah uh, he's on ice and uh uh you know t- turtles win the day where do you guys think that the where do you think that they're gonna go i mean are we gonna get a third movie yeah i mean are we gonna get i a got th- a feeling that this movie is gonna be financially successful enough that there's gonna be a third okay and where do you go? Where do you go? I mean, I, I mean, naturally you're thinking neutrinos, but is that is that where we need to go? Do we need to have another movie where it's the end of the world? Hmm. Or see, I want to see the turtles go into Dimension X. Oh, okay, okay. Which has happened before in different yeah. forms of media. Yeah. Oh, I you know, and I think like you were talking about the turtle comics from IDW. And I loved how the, how they handle it, right? Because um, I was actually reading the Turtle comic at that time, um, but um, I think that would be great. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I kind of just want like a. I would like to see that eventually happen, but it's like I kind of just want to see like another personal fight between the Turtles and Shredder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or some other villain. I mean, I I feel like that Krang is basically now, with him saying, I'll be back and I'll be stronger than ever, I don't think that's going to happen immediately. I think he's basically kind of the Thanos now of this this universe. Mm. So I think he's going to be in planning mode in whatever this next movie is. I don't think we're going to be dealing with Krang. Well, if we're not dealing with Krang, we're definitely not dealing with Shredder. We're not dealing with Shredder because Shredder's stuck. Unless Krang unfreezes him and sends him back and says, well, okay, now... And now you got to redeem yourself. Yeah, and and you have to ask yourself, what would be the reasoning for the Turtles to go into Dimension X? Would it be to not wait for Krang to make that next move and to stop him before he comes becomes more powerful, or is somebody going back to get Shredder and they want to try and stop them from get from them getting Shredder? It could be I mean, Baxter Stockman's got to go all fucking 
you know, fly, fly next movie. Oh, right? It's got to happen. Yeah. Yeah. He saw what he did with the mutant gin, so why wouldn't he use it on himself? Could maybe he send them to Dimension X and he tries to take over Earth or something? And they've got to find their, they've got to fight their way through Dimension X, and then when they come back to Earth, they find out that Earth has been taken over by a bunch of technology. Mm-hmm. And now we, now we, we've just set up our fourth film. Yeah, that's possible too. That could be cool. That's up in the air. Yeah, and he's so, still there. Then we could probably get our introduction into the fourth film with Donatello creating Metalhead. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many characters. Sure. Yeah. There's so many things they haven't introduced that they could. But you know what? I'm, if they make a third one, I'll be in the theaters again. And it, it, these are not my favorite movies, but these are actually just fun movies that I can just watch. Yeah. And, oh, uh, totally. They're fun. And, and, and it, it's not about Michael Bay. You destroyed my childhood, Michael <laughs> Bay. It's, it's just a different version of the turtles. I mean, go back and watch those original cartoons. They're not, this is not the holy fucking grail. Right, of, right. Of cartoons here, guys. These are, I mean, I, Transformers is one of my favorite cartoons growing up, but I watch those old stories and sometimes they're just dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the origin of the Dinobots in the original cartoons yeah. is Spike talking to Wheeljack about dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. He's talking to Wheeljack about dinosaurs. Right. And Wheeljack gives him basically a history lesson on dinosaurs. And then Wheeljack says, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Let's make some dinobots. Right. And he just makes them. Yeah. There's no amazing dinobot origin story. No. Right. It's a fucking little boy talking to a robot about dinosaurs and he just fucking makes them yeah <laughs> no ancient ancient aliens there's no so. yeah so <laughs> if you hold these original cartoons so near and dear to you that if any of these new forms of the media stray away from that and you hate it because of that yeah you're not. You're, you're never going to be happy. No, and you, I think you're missing out too. I think you can nitpick here and there and say like, oh, okay, this worked out better in the cartoon. They should have kept that in there. Mm-hmm. But you know, there, there's got to be some give and take. You've got to, and then you've got new kids coming in here, and you got to update kids with. You got there's got to be an update, and you've got to have a new audience. Yes, that you got to kind of like pander to. True. With these films. So I think they're fun, mm-hmm. and I think they're family friendly and fun. And I enjoy them. Even if Megan Fox is in this movie, I still think it's family friendly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even, even with her bending over and like, you know, tucking your, sh- you know, yeah. cinching her shirt up and showing off her, her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, for sure. That was the only scene where she was like a, like a sexualized person though, wasn't it? Just that. That one scene? Yeah, in the, yeah, in this movie, I think in so. This one. Yeah, in the first one, she's like bending over in front of Will Arnett in the car. And he's he's yeah. basically looking at her ass, and they show her ass uh, when she's holding the mutagen in the alley too. It's a nice close up of her ass mm. for no reason. And yeah, the schoolgirl outfit scenes—that was all sexualized. Sure. But other than that, it didn't take away from me. Hey, know, I will all. tell you this: she is a better reporter and investigator in this movie. Than Amy Adams has ever been as Lois Lane <laughs> in either movies for Man of Steel or Batman v Superman. Yeah, true. And I will argue t- with you 
tooth and nail yeah. for that point. She has been, she has been a better a reporter and investigator in both movies, in my opinion, than Amy Adams has been in both of those other movies. I agree. It's not Pulitzer Prize material. Amy Adams has been doing it all. <laughs> Pretty boring. <laughs> all right, guys. Any last thoughts about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows? Um, I would just say I think it. Uh, I think it blended well. Like you said, I, I think you're looking for. You, you, if you are taking it to be heart for heart, you know those things that were from the original cartoons, and you're gonna you're gonna miss out on a good movie. I think it's there still. I'm not saying it's missing at all. It's definitely there, and I think there's stuff for old fans, and I think there's stuff for new fans. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think they got, and I think Harmon said this too. They got Rocksteady and Bebop right. Yeah, and there was so much of that in this that like. Touch my heartstrings, but it will also be successful for people that aren't aware of those mm-hmm. things. And I think they do with this movie, with the first one and the second one, they're doing a great job of melding those. My things. question to you is like right. when you're in the theater, Jay, and movies, movies over with and the lights come on and the people look around you at my mess, at the mess. <laughs> All the popcorn and soda that you've missed. Yeah. I mean, you've got soda running off the side of your mouth. And it's it's actually running into the popcorn, right? And yeah. it's doing that that fizzy popcorn yeah. sludgy shit. People are hearing it. Yeah, yeah, it looks like bird shit. <laughs> it looks like a mixture of bird shit, popcorn, and just soda. And it's sticky, and it just looks gross. What are people saying? Are they do they acknowledge it? People just treat me like I don't exist, generally, so that's fine. I'm cool with that. Do the ushers curse you out? Oh, they're staring at me, generally, the whole... They can't wait till I leave, and I'm like, after credits! Come on, guys! Yeah. (laughs) Both... Both movies, no after credit scene. I know, yeah, that was kind of disappointing, but I did enjoy the credit scene in this one. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Any last thoughts, Harmon? You know... With the turtles, you have to embrace that the whole premise of the turtles is fucking ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and you need to have fun with the turtles. Good point. And that's what this movie does. Like, yeah, there are some plot holes, and there are some issues with it. But in general, this movie was fun as hell. Yeah. And I, I would love to go see it again. And yeah. That's what you need with the turtles. Did either of you and see I, it in 3D? No. Uh-uh. Uh, I don't do 3D movies. Huh. They don't do well with me, so... Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I don't think that I gave it enough credit for being fun. Like, there were many times throughout this movie where I laughed yeah. out loud, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so, I, yeah, I would definitely, if you've got kids, I would definitely highly recommend watching this. And, um, I mean, if you love the Turtles, I, I would see this one. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, man. I yeah. did. I had a lot of fun with it. So, it, Taste It is not a bad rating. I, I actually enjoyed myself. I just... I, uh, as and and it's like I, I I never really understood like that whole thing when like the first one came out and people were upset that it wasn't like a darker grittier turtles and I'm thinking to myself like when has it ever really been that except for like when the comic first came out the old comics yeah yeah back when it was like the black and white comic yeah or the green and white or whatever when has it ever Have been you, uh... In 2003, they started a, another animated series. Yes. And that got pretty, that got, that got somewhat dark and fucked up. Like, there was, uh, Shredder was an Utrom, he was this alien thing. Uh, they, uh, they did a movie called Turtles Forever. Hmm. And the 2003 Turtles met the 1987 Turtles. 
And then all eight of them met the original comics turtles in black and white. And it was, that was, that show got a little fucked up, but (laughs) it's never been like, Gotham City Dark, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you don't have, like, fucking, like, uh, Casey Jones snorting lines of coke. <laughs> fucking April O'Neil fucking on a stripper pole and shit. It's, and, I, you know, we don't need that. No, no, not for no. this. No. So. All right, guys. Uh, we are going to take a break, and we will be back with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Right, hey, we are back. Uh, we we still got Harmon with us. Yeah, well, yeah, it's great to still uh, be here with you guys and talk about the shit that we love. Now we're going to jump into a uh, part of the podcast that we call Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Uh, we've already gone over the rating system. We might rate these things. Uh, I wanted to start off talking about a show that I saw on Netflix this week. Uh, it's called Fried. Have you guys heard of this? Uh-uh. No, I haven't. Uh, Fried follows the staff in the struggling Croydon branch of a low-rent fast food chain called Seriously Fried Chicken. Uh, we follow the group as they navigate the greasy world of nugget vending under the watchful gaze of Mary, their eternally optimistic but desperately ineffectual branch manager. Her job is coveted by bitter assistant manager Derek, who's been working at the restaurant since it was, since it were a wimpy. Uh, then there's geeky teenager Joe, who only has eyes for Amara, and the man who decided they're best friends. Uh, foul-mouthed and relentlessly self-absorbed Ed, and the older, always riled Chantal. Every week, the team have to deal with customers, each other, and the inedible, and, and the indelible smell of oil. Um, is this originally aired on the BBC Three? There's only a total of six episodes for the first season, mm-hmm. and they are about 25 minutes apiece when you cut out the commercials. Um, this show is absolutely hilarious. I give it a Tupperware. It is so fun. Um, I mean, it's BBC, so there's some cursing. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, um, I don't know, man. There's just a lot of great humor in this. Uh, the Mary, she wants to be, like, I don't know, kind of, like, uh, really high up in the in the company. And then she gets sent down to fix this fucking horrible branch of the chain of stores mm-hmm. that they have. And then... She gets stuck there, and this guy Derek wants her job, and he, they he, they basically make him out to be kind of like a a cartoon villain uh-huh. as trying to like overtake that job, and it's hilarious, man. This this show is is phenomenal. You got to watch Fried. It's on Netflix. I give it a Tupperware. Watch it. Six episodes. I, I was hooked after the first episode. Yeah, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
I love the subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I think it's something a lot of us can relate to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I worked in I worked in a in a McDonald's when I was a teenager for from I think time I was like sixteen to like eighteen or something mm-hmm. like that. I kinda like worked there throughout school and shit like that. Yeah. So like I remember all the weird shit that like, <laughs> went on working there. It's a comedy within itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny. You know, I used to get sexually harassed at that job. <laughs> what? Yes. There was this there was a girl there, her name was uh Carrie. And uh no Cassie. Uh her name was Cassie, and she used to ask me out all the time. Used to like slap my butt, <laughs> ask me out, make those fries. Ask she used to ask me out all the time, and I I kept telling her no, 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 no. <laughs> Finally, I was like, okay, we can go out. You gotta fucking you pay for everything. Yeah, and we and under the knowledge that this is the only time that we go out. <laughs> And after I go out with you, you will never ask me out again. Oh, God. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. So you don't talk to her anymore. No. no. <laughs> I haven't seen Cassie in a long time. That's a fucked up situation. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely watch this show, Fried. It is it is phenomenal. It is so funny. I had a lot of fun with it. And I think it's getting a second season, so I don't know when that'll eventually air it'll probably air on bbc3 first and then netflix will probably get it you know months and months later but i watch this it's only six episodes it's not a huge investment and i guarantee you're gonna love it awesome awesome yeah i'll definitely check this one out uh jason what do you got man uh this week i watched outcast and this was on uh cinemax but i watched it on hbo go um because i don't have cable so i had to watch it on demand um this is by robert kirkman created it um of course we know him from the walking dead um the cast uh basically uh, i'll just start off this is uh uh, centered around Patrick Fugit's character. He plays a guy named Kyle Barnes. Uh, you'll remember Patrick from Saved and uh, Almost Famous. He was the main character in Almost Famous. Almost Famous. That, that was, was uh, kind of the rock and roll road yeah, show. With, uh, what's, his, what's her name? Uh, Kate Hudson? Yeah, yeah. yeah same yeah, movie. I he, love that movie. He was the main dude, you know, the, the fluffy-haired guy that was the reporter for, like, the Rolling Stone. Um so this basically center around, centers around his character. Um, so Outcast, the, the title has two meanings. Um, first of all, it's, it centers around Kyle, um, who is kind of an outcast in this town. And he likes the rapper. No, yeah. <laughs> and they are not brought up at all in this. <laughs> no, I hear in the second episode. Oh. Hold on. I hear in the second episode, he shakes it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> There, yeah, I don't know that. I haven't read it into the second episode. The, well, the third episode, it's titled So Fresh and So Clean. <laughs> now, that would actually kind of make sense. Okay. That would actually kind of make sense. But it, it, it's a twofold meaning. It centers around him in this town being this outcast because of the past events in, in his life with, first of all, his family growing up and his abusive which we learn later there's more to it than this, his abusive mother. Um, and everyone in the town, you know, of course it's a small town, so everyone at the church knows about her. Everyone at the grocery store knows about his past life with his, with his mom and how abusive she was. And uh, he's become an outcast because of what happened with his own family. With He had a new, uh, a new girlfriend, soon-to-be fiancé. They had a daughter, 
and uh, something happened to where uh, he had to cut all ties with them. He got a bad rep in that town. Everyone thinks he's a piece of shit. Mm. He's not. You know, we learn later on that he's not a piece of shit. He's kind of a good dude, but he's outcasted himself from everybody because of these events. And these events are paranormal. Um, there's there's reasons why he can't just go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, I didn't do this. This was something else that happened to me and my family when I was trying to start this new family. Um, and then the, the second fold meaning of, of the title Outcast is, of course, casting out demons, mm-hmm. um, which this show is definitely about. Uh, you learn that from the <laughs> – there's, there's some crazy fucking scenes. You know, imagery-wise um, – this is one of the coolest exorcist type of situations I've seen. Do they play any outcast music? There's no, there's no outcast music. The, the only music that they do play is the cure. There's a cure song at the end uh, of the episode, which is very fitting. I would drop it to a taste. Right? <laughs> yeah. That they didn't play, you know, outcast. Well, it is outcast with a C, not a K. You know, like after somebody, <laughs> after they exercise the demons, uh-huh. they could play that, they could play a song basically letting them know that they are fresh and clean. <laughs> yeah. But they're not. They're not. They're, they're, what's really fucked up about this is it's not a, it's not a single situation. Um, I'm not going to tell you what happened to Kyle necessarily, but I will tell you um, uh, from the very first moments of the show, we're introduced to a child who has been possessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happens, and man, that shit is brutal. There's some brutal shit. His name is Daniel Hopner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what he does is interrupts it, everybody. Interrupts everybody. <laughs> Very demonically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but there's this new kid that gets possessed, and there's this preacher that helped in uh, in Kyle's situation when mm-hmm. he was growing up and, and later on. And uh, we find out that this is not a one-time event. This this Whatever is happening to this child is also an entity that's been file- following Kyle since birth hmm. and has wanted to... Uh, ah, I don't, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but we're introduced to, to this child that kind of brings, brings Kyle out of the woodwork. Kyle has a sister who is also trying to get him back into civilization. I mean, basically, he's living in a house that he lived in when he was a child. He's let it go to shit. He doesn't have running water. The guy's not showering. He's eating fucking cereal every day. He doesn't give a fuck about himself. Mm-hmm. He's and, listening to Pop Closer Left. Yeah, for six hours. Man, it really gets me through my day. <laughs> sending, sending us long emails. Yeah. I just needed to talk to somebody. And his name is Wilderness Josh. Yeah. No, but this guy doesn't want to talk to anyone. His his sister's trying to get him out of the house, trying to bring him back into civilization, saying, man, you know, hasn't it been long enough what you dealt with with what happened with your own daughter and your wife? Because this, this was terrible shit that happened. Mm-hmm. He was already in terrible shit with what happened with his mom, and then he tries to start a family, and this, you know, whatever's going on, it follows him into his own family life. And it makes it so he wants to have nothing to do with society or anyone else because he's afraid of what's going to happen. Mm. And he learns about this kid because his sister gets him out and she takes him to the grocery store just to get basic necessities that he has not been doing. And uh, 
he learns of the story of this other kid and, and this priest that helped him. So he gets reconnected with this priest that's trying to help this boy and, and get this, this fucking demon out uh, of it. A story where a priest is trying to help a boy? I, I know, and that, that is also... It's, <laughs> I, know, I know, and it, it's, it's odd because that whole thing, that whole thing affects it's Kyle. It's odd. No, it's not. It's not, and they use it. It's usually quite normal. They use it. They use it as a plot Did device. Did you say help this boy or help himself to this boy? No, 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 no. <laughs> they use this. They definitely use this in uh, as a plot device to say, why are these guys fucking around with these kids? Yeah. You know, because we have this priest interacting with this child. We have... That's normal. We, we Check. Have, but now we have... <laughs> All the boxes are checking. So you'll, learn, you'll learn why it's really fucked up that Kyle is coming to help this kid. Mm-hmm. Even though his past is re- relatable, kind of. He's coming to help this kid too, and everyone's like, why are you guys helping this kid? This is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, with your past. So they do use that. And, uh, they kind of look at it in a, in, in a modern day perspective as to like, this stuff is bullshit. This whole demon possession crap is bullshit. And what you're really doing is abusing children. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a main plot point of this, this story so far. It's really, really interesting though. And, um, uh, the guy that plays Kyle is amazing. He's so, I, I can relate to it just being ostracized in my own community. Not for, not for what happened to him, but for people looking at me different because of my past. Jay, you know? Jay was a member of the clergy. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a young boy and, uh. No, that did not happen. Yeah. That did not happen, but it does, it really does. They do utilize that as part of the story and I think it's, I think it's done really well. Remember um, all those years I used to call you father? <laughs> <laughs> fucked up, man. But it, it also it also looks at it from a perspective of non-believers versus versus believers, mm-hmm. and how how people do look at you know what what a clergyman who who would tell you, and you know regardless of how you feel about what happened with kids and the clergy, you know will tell you that demons are real and that exorcism. Regardless of how you feel, it's horrible what but, happens with clergy and. Kids. But you also got to look at it from the perspective that there are real cases of exorcism being, sure. being done by by priests. Yeah, and uh, it, it looks at that whole thing and what would happen in a small town. And this is also saying that this isn't just in this town. Mm-hmm. This thing, whatever it is, is in every town and and every, there's there's a there's a house in every town where this is happening to somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's a kid or an adult. Um, this this possession stuff is taking place, and and it brings this whole mythology based on what happened to Kyle, what's happening to Joshua. It brings this whole big mythology, and I can't wait to see where they where they go with it. Okay. it it's very grounded in reality, mm-hmm. and it's like I said, it's not just about demon possession. It's about a guy that feels like a piece of shit, mm-hmm. and if and if you live in a small town, but he's got a passion for the group outcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if you live if you live in a small town. Especially uh, one that's filled with people that are religious, mm-hmm. um, and you and something happens to where you're you're uh, you put yourself in a spotlight and you're ostracized because of something bad that was out of your control, but still happened to you. Uh, it definitely like plays upon how people would respond. To well, how are you like rating that. this first episode? Uh, total Tupperware. Okay. I cannot wait to see more of this. This was well written, well acted. Visually, it's it's stunning. It is so well. It's even more so than the first season of Walking Dead, which I thought was visually awesome. Mm-hmm. This is even darker, and I think they did a great fucking job showing this little town and and what's going on with these characters. Do you know who's directing this thing? Uh, no, I, uh, I, I oh, didn't. No, don't worry about. I it. I didn't get uh, that down. Um, okay. I just watched it today, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get that. But um, 
yeah, it was great. So total Tupperware. I can't wait for the next episode. I, awesome. I hope you guys check it out. I too. will definitely be watching this. Harmon, what do you got, man? All right, I've got a first piece of good pop here. Uh, it's a little bit of a retro good pop. Uh, I was at a used bookstore the other day, and I found this book, and I bought it just because the cover is fucking insane. Uh, so there's a a skeleton wearing like a really nice striped suit. Oh, stop it! You're gonna it's turn. A- you're gonna turn Jay on. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Fapping. <laughs> so you got this nice you know, skeleton with this really nice suit, fancy fedora. But, like, his hands are on fire, and he's shooting fire. Huh. Uh, the, the name of the book is Skullduggery Pleasant. It's by author Derek Landy. Uh, it is a Scottish book, which is kind of unusual, because uh, most of the stuff you find is either British or American, so it's nice to find something slightly different. And it's about this kid who... Her uncle dies, and she inherits some shit in her will, and one of the things is this key. And it ends up sending her on this, like, Lovecraftian-inspired adventure. There's, like, this whole other world full of magic and demons, and it is fucking insane. Uh, the uh, the main character is Stephanie. She's the, the girl who inherits everything, and she ends up teaming up with Skullduggery, who's a... He's like an ace detective type character, definitely like noir influenced. Um, there's a lot of great wit, a lot of good humor in this book. Uh, a lot of references to Lovecraftian type horror, which is great because it's it's a young adult fiction, but it's nice to have some more of the like adult horror tones mixed in with it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a whole series of them. I plan on picking the rest of them up, but if you guys can find a copy. You totally need to pick this up because it was a lot of fun. It was a short, simple read. A uh, lot of great action. They, there's this whole lore about different types of magic. Well, and hey, it's what, all elementally based. And what was this called? It was called. It was Skullfuck Dig Dug. What was it called? <laughs> That's Jay's version. Oh. <laughs> it's Skullduggery Pleasant. Skullduggery Pleasant. That actually sounds really awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, the main reason I bought it, I didn't even look at the description. It was just the cover is a skeleton in a fucking fedora shooting fire. Like, <laughs> Sold. how can you go wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sold to the man with the awesome beard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, man. Uh, who, who did you say is writing that again? The author's name is Derek Landy. Okay. Is this stuff that he's done before or is this kind of a new new thing? Uh, this book actually came out in 2007. Uh, like I said, I found it in the used section at my local used bookstore. And, uh, yeah, it's so I'm not sure how many there are in the series now. I think there's five or six of them. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's been – it was a whole lot of fun to read this book. So definitely something I recommend. I give it a Tupperware. There's there's no way I can't. It was just – genuinely fun hmm. that sounds uh, skull fuck dig dug i gotta watch i gotta I'll write that. that down uh, no <laughs> <laughs> we'll find it yeah it actually sounds really cool um i wanted to talk about a uh, show uh, a movie that i actually just watched on netflix um it's called premature have you guys seen this movie no uh-uh. no haven't even heard of it Harmon, you you would love this movie um, I, I think I, I also think Frank would love this. Movie. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, is that a good thing? <laughs> it's about a high school senior ha- who has to relive losing his virginity 
over and over again until he gets it right with the right girl. Wow. This movie stars Alan Tudyk and Brian Husky, who are the two most recognizable people in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main star is a young actor called John, uh, named John Carna, who had, I, I'd only seen him in the uh, Scream TV series before this. Um, this movie is like Groundhog's Day, but instead of going to sleep and having the same day repeat itself, it only repeats itself after he ejaculates. Ah, wow. And it is hilarious. Jeez. <laughs> so every morning he wakes up to wearing boxer, wet boxer briefs, <laughs> and his mom opens up the door and sees the big wet stain on his boxer briefs. Every morning after he ejaculates, that's what he wakes up to oh, every time. That's horrible. And that's horrible. It's, it's called it's called premature. It's got like a four and a half star rating on Netflix. I was surprised by this. Huh. I had never heard of this before. I watched this movie. It is the masturbatory version of Groundhog's Day. It mixes in a lot of that funny uh, American Pie, uh, John Hughes high school humor. And Groundhog's Day humor into one movie. Wow. And it pulls it off really well. Alan Tudyk is great in it. I, I thought he was fantastic. I, I, I loved this movie. I give it a Tupperware. It's premature. It's so much fun. Was not expecting this movie to be any good. I expected to watch this movie and for it to feel like the, the American Pie movies without the original cast, like all the spin-off American Pie yeah, movies. Yeah, the bad ones. The yeah. really bad yeah. ones. <laughs> like Eugene Levy just showing up to get a paycheck bad <laughs> right. American Pie movie. Right. But no, this was really, really fun. Awesome. A lot of fun. Check that out. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah I'm definitely going to add that to my watch list. Yeah. yeah. Premature. Premature. <laughs> Great Th- concept. This week also brought... Uh, one of my favorite shows back, it's season premiere, season three, my fa- some of my favorite characters, uh, Riley, Maya, Lucas, and Farkle came back for season three premiere of Girl Meets World. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I am not joking. Oh. It's back, season three. Do you watch this, Harmon? Uh, I watched, I think, the first season of it, yeah. and then uh, I stopped. But I really enjoyed the first season. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are in high school now, Harmon. <laughs> oh, man, they're growing up so fast. They are The kids, they are growing up so fast. And, oh, my gosh, it, there, was, uh, there was a divide amongst the friends. You had Farkle and Lewis go one, in one direction, and you had Maya and Riley doing their own thing. High school was tearing between them. Mm. In that first episode. And you know what? First episode premiered and it left me at a cliffhanger. And I was like, oh my God, I gotta wait till, I, I was like thinking to myself, I gotta wait till like Sunday mm-hmm. to watch the, 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 the continuation of this. I was like, I don't know if I can wait till Sunday. Wow. And then they said, you know what? If you go on the Disney Channel app right now, you can watch episode two right now. Oh, shit. Oh shit. Dude, <laughs> I was on that bitch so fast. <laughs> I had to see how it ended. I'm not going to spoil anything, <laughs> but man, definitely Girl Meets World season huh. three. They are in high school now. Man, it was absolutely, absolutely amazing. I love it. Huge fan. I, I, I never get caught up on this because I love the first season. Yeah, like, there's a there's a certain genuine quality to that show. Yeah, 
that just it hits you in the feels. You know what I mean? It does. It does. It, 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 there's there, it's corny as fuck sometimes. But man, you know, I watch a lot of dark shit, and every once <laughs> in like a while, it's like a palate cleanser. It is. Yeah. It's a palate cleanser. Every once in a while, I just be I need to be taken back to Saturday mornings. Yeah, yeah. You know, just take me back to Saturday mornings and give me something I can watch where I can just I can turn into Jay, shut my brain off, and just <laughs> and just have popcorn bouncing off my fucking forehead. And that's this show for me. <laughs> it's every day for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never really got into that show. Like, yeah. I, I wasn't really watching a lot during that time when yeah. it was on. So I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have to revisit that. Yeah. Uh, anybody got? Anybody else got anything else? I don't. You, you guys do. Harmon. Yeah, I've got another one. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, aside from being a good pop, it's also a uh, anime recommendation for you guys. Mm. Uh, this is my favorite anime. This is the anime that I started watching after I had stopped watching anime for a while. Because I mean, I grew up watching Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, that type of shit. Yeah. But the anime that got me back into it is called Initial D. Okay. Uh, it started in 1998. And they're still making additions to it now. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, the, the latest part of it came out in 2016. Uh, and they're still going to make more of it because it's just fucking perfect. Is it the same creators that, that were involved from, like, the beginning? Yep, it's still the same director. Uh, they have, they've had a couple different writers throughout. There's only been, I believe, two writers on it. Hmm. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. And what's nice is that if you watch anime, there's always those over-the-top characters. You know, their faces do crazy gestures and shit like that. This has very, very small amounts of that. It's a very serious anime. Hmm. And it's all about my favorite sport, which is drift racing. Hmm. So, And they actually have licenses with a lot of the Japanese automakers. So the main character drives a... Toyota, it was sold over here as a Corolla GT. Over there, it was sold as the uh, Trueno Sprinter. But with the uh, the JDM car culture, they refer to it as an AE86, which is the engine designation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a super iconic car within the racing community, and that's what the main character drives. Uh, in Season 1, they well, they call them stages instead of seasons. Uh, which is also paying homage to the the race community. Um, I believe it's, uh, I've got the Wikipedia page pulled up here. There are 26 episodes in the first season. Um, they are all like I give this the half hour. Are they half hour? Uh, yep, standard half hour formats for the most part. Okay. Um, there have been a couple editions. Uh, there's been a few movies that are considered canon. Mm-hmm. So like the uh, you have your your first stage, your second stage. Um, and then for the third stage, instead of being another, you know, 20 some odd episodes, it's just like an hour and a half movie. Okay. Um, they've done that a few times, uh, but it's, it's so fantastic. They also have licenses, uh, they, with Nissan, with Toyota, uh, with Suzuki. There's, so you have these major name brands and they're actual vehicles. So other than this being a car commercial, like, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so great. So uh, the main character, his name is Takami Fujiwara. Uh, his father is Bunta Fujiwara. And it's kind of fucked up, but his dad's like an alcoholic and uh, runs a tofu shop. And when, his, when Takami's like 14, 
he gives him the keys to his car because he's too drunk to deliver it. And that's actually his training on how to become a better driver and eventually become a drift racer. Oh, wow. And as it's, there's, there's some spoilers that I don't want to give out, sure. but, uh, I will say that Bunta is, uh, he's known as the white ghost of Akina. Uh, Akina is the, the prefecture in Japan where, where most of the series is set. And they called him the white ghost because the car that he drove was white. And everyone who was like into the racing scene in the show, they all heard rumors about this car, but no one had ever beat it. And then it turns out it wasn't even someone racing. It was just this 14-year-old kid delivering tofu for his dad. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then, like, uh, there, there's a lot of different race teams within the show. There's a team called the Red Suns. Uh, both of them drive RX-7s, which, as a car enthusiast, I'm a huge fan of. And uh, they end up racing him, and they kind of get him to join their their team and do this whole... This whole tour, essentially, of Japan just racing the different teams all over. And it's fantastic action. It's got this this really awesome techno music called Eurobeat to it. <laughs> and it's just... when I, I have the, the soundtrack on my iPod. And if I'm driving and that music comes on, <laughs> it's like, fuck everything, man. I'm in the passing lane. I'm gone. I'm going to drift. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, when I was a teenager, I, I was into the drift scene for a bit. I had my little five-speed. And, you know, that is that was partially inspired because I got into this show. And uh, it's just such a fun show. It's so good. The action is awesome. The animation is a little bit dated because it is. it did come out in the late 90s. And yeah. you can tell. Uh but the the way that it works is it's a combination of traditional anime mixed with a little bit of computer generated stuff hmm. and like all the actual car scenes are done with computers and they do look different hmm. but it still looks it doesn't look poor it looks it was very well done okay um there's some awesome scenes like at, at one point someone has an engine explode and you actually see this view inside the engines with the pistons going up and down and the piston rings explode. And like it's there's a lot of great animation within the show. The music is fantastic. And it's there's there's so much of it to watch, because like I said, they've done, I think, five official seasons. Plus, they've done a bunch of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely the highest of Tupperwares. I think it's something you would like. I think anyone who's in a car should give it a watch. Uh, anyone who's. Like kind of thinking about picking up a new anime, I definitely recommend this. It sounds fun. It's like you said, um, they they introduced like different racers, like the Red Suns, and I'm sure there's other racers that they introduced throughout this entire thing that are probably just as fun of characters. Oh, totally. And yeah. every race team has their own. You know, they've all got maybe five or six members, and they all have their own unique characteristics to them. There's like one whole team that just drive Lancer Evos. Uh, there's other teams that are like, oh, all we drive is four wheel drive stuff. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I love it's, shit it's like, it really grabs you. I love shit like that. I'm a big fan of the Warriors movie. Yeah. And like oh, all yeah. the, the different themed gangs and shit like that. I love that kind of shit. So I, I would love this. And especially like, well, in, in a, like an anime thing. How, how, how can I watch this now? Uh, it was available on Netflix last I checked. I'm not sure if it still is. But it's probably on Crunchyroll. It's a very popular anime. It's okay. been around for a while. Initial um, D. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, just give the soundtrack a listen. And I mean, I, I think you said that you've got the Camaro. I'd, I'd yeah. be afraid for your rear tires. <laughs> 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 
Oh man. I you know, the only time I race is like when I am driving to some lady's house to give her the initial D. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> then when I'm done I drift on out the door. It's <laughs> the best way to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I did watch um, uh, last night I did watch uh, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake oh I want to watch that Uh, yeah how was that absolutely fantastic it's emotional man Um, you really understand why this guy was an addict yeah Uh, it shows him as an addict it shows his uh, his rise and his fall Um, it shows the TMZ footage of him just showing up to a match drunk oh wow um it's and then it shows the relationship between him and uh, diamond dallas page and diamond dallas page basically just turning his home into a recovery center yeah yeah he did yeah and uh man this it's i'm not gonna just watch this how long was this about an hour, hour and 40 minutes. I'm really interested in it's this. It's on Netflix now. It dropped on Netflix June 1st. It's called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Wow. Uh, goes over him, um, his family, goes over his drug addiction, shows his drug addiction. Um, you've got, uh, what's his name? Um, is it Scott Hall? Yeah, Scott Hall. Razor Ramon. Yep. Shows him. Oh, really? Really? He comes, he's involved. He was fucked up, too. Uh, this movie, uh, there are several parts in this movie where i was just like my eyes were misty just yeah. listening to this guy and um and this how he struggles with addiction and this is a this is the highest of tupperwares this wow. is such a well-done documentary um i enjoyed chic i gave it a tupperware uh if i would i i would watch them in that order watch chic and then watch this one this one's actually better than chic wow so i loved awesome. it awesome yeah, I mean, he he was like a superhero to me, yeah, you know, great. growing up, and I'm sure you too. And you could tell he he was he was troubled, you know, even even just when he was playing his character. That guy was serious as shit way too often for being a, being a professional wrestler. So you knew he had some demons, and uh, yeah, and Diamond Dallas Page's story in itself mm-hmm. is interesting as well. Yeah, so. he got a late start in professional wrestling. Started didn't didn't really make it big until he was 35. Yeah. So. You know, it's a late start for these guys, but yeah. man alive, you know, and it goes into, you know, of course he's kind of using this as a commercial for his yoga product. Yeah, for sure. But on the flip side, th- I'm not trying to take away anything from that. No. That, 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 that yoga program it's that he's got going on. It's helped a lot of people, on, yeah. Yeah, pretty much saved, you know, uh, Jake the Snake's life. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, 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 they actually, they chronicle this whole thing. Awesome. From, from the time where Diamond Dallas Page is on his way to Jake the Snake's house to their first meeting. And you see Jake the Snake, you know, fucking drunk and 300-some pounds. Wow. And, uh... Wow. And they, they go from there, He man. was such a skinny dude, like, starting out. Yeah. But that was probably because of all the drug use, too, you know? So. That's interesting. Yeah, that that's a great story. I want to I wanna listen to that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is, uh, uh, History Channel, uh, brought back Roots. Oh yeah, I saw that. And, uh, I love the original Roots, uh, with LeVar Burton and, you know, John Amos and, mm-hmm. um, man, I'm, I'm a big fan of the original Roots. It may sound silly, but every Christmas I do watch Roots. It's, that's one of the only times it's on TV. Yeah. But every Christmas, I, and I'm not saying I watch the entire thing, but I watch a lot of Roots on Christmas. It's, uh-huh. a, it's um 
it's a fantastic series. And, um, and you can say like, ah, well, you know, they've, they've, they've said that, you know, Alex Haley lied and made up a lot of stuff about his family and like Kunta Kinte and stuff like he's not related to Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte is like a fabrication and all this stuff. Uh I mean, you can look this stuff up and I'm not, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. I'm just saying like when this came out in the, in the late seventies, whether it's the entire story's true or not, it opened up a lot of eyes. Yeah. And over 50% of America was watching this miniseries. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know this is like back when you only had three, four channels. Mm-hmm. But 50% of Americans were watching this, and I think it culturally changed the nation for a little bit and kind of woke people up like, wow, look, this is this is a dark part of America's history. Yeah. It kind of like made everybody... A little bit more aware of like you know how we should treat one another. Yeah, and uh, this was a great uh, this new one on History Channel. It's really good. It's not as good as the original. I think the original focused a lot more on the characters. Mm-hmm. This one is more action oriented. Okay, but it's still it's and, and I think the the originals actually show even though they're not as graphic. I still think it shows you the uglier side of how. These slave owners were, yeah, okay, and how they treated slaves. I think it was they 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 did a better job in the original, being a little more sensitive yeah. this time around. Nah, just I think the violence was amped up. Okay, the action and the violence was amped up. I just think like the characters in the original were just a little bit more. Um, I don't know how to say it. Just a little bit more evil. Just yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like, there's good there's good people in this one either right there's not yeah but i think the original was 12 episodes Mm -hmm. this was four oh okay well that would explain so you only have a limited amount of time in this one to to do that Uh, i do want to say the new actor uh and i'm not taking anything away from ben vereen ben vereen is the he was amazing as chicken george fuck yeah this new guy that they got to play chicken george is fantastic really this guy i can see this guy going on and being a huge movie star wow after this he's got a lot of charisma um when he when he when they give him a scene a chicken george scene where he's you know when they're about to do the cockfights and he's the hype man trying to get everybody you know pumped up for this fight this guy commands these scenes. Wow. And he really embodies like that character. So good. I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a Tupperware. Okay. I'm not going to give it, uh, I'm not going to take anything away from it just because I think the original's better. Yeah. I just think that this is a different roots for a different time and I don't think it has like the cultural impact of the original, which nothing can. Yeah. Now. No. Nothing ever can. That was on a major network. This is on history and then, you know, that was 50% of Americans are watching it. I think that you should watch this, though. I think you should watch it. I thought it was great. Each episode is about eh, two hours and ten minutes to two hours. Uh, I think the longest episode was two hours and maybe 20 minutes or something like that. Okay. But I thought it was really, really good. I really enjoyed the new roots. It'd be nice to revisit that for sure. I, I haven't seen it in a long, I haven't seen the original in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kind of want to see this and then go back and watch the original. But yeah. I remember 
watching that in school and, mm-hmm. and thinking, man, this is real. Like, you know, the original roots. Yeah, like, yeah. man, this is what really... Well, it was. It, it was for the longest time. Alex Haley had come out with the books, and he said, like, yeah, this is like my... These are my ancestors, and, and some of it, some of it may be real. I mean, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to go out on the internet and look up anything, you can. I'm just saying, like the the importance of what it did for when it came out, whether it's true or not, what it did to the nation years yeah. ago, and it, you know, opened people's eyes and made them made them made them think about the think about our past, a dark place in America's past, made us think about it. Yeah, made us hopefully change some people's views back then. Oh it's yeah. A, it's a, and I'm not saying like th- this one. I'm just saying like I, there was more like tear jerk moments for me in the original series than there were in this one. Still impactful. Yeah, yeah. I think Lavar Burton is like, you know, you, when you've got Lavar Burton playing young Kunta Kinte, and then you go from Lavar Burton to John Amos playing like the older Kunta Kinte, that's a hard act to follow. Yeah, this guy, this guy, this new guy did a good job. Yeah, but I'm saying the new Chicken George, just as good hmm. as Ben Vereen. So. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Tupperware this roots. I, I think you should watch it. I, awesome. think, it's, I think it's really good. Yeah, going to so. do that. You guys got anything else? Nothing else for me, man. All right. No, I think that about does it for me. All right. Uh, Harmon, are you going to stick around or are you going to be taken off? Yeah, I can stick around for a bit more. Okay. Awesome. Harmon's going to stick around. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we'll be back with news. Greetings, Leftover Army. Pop Culture Leftovers is the people's podcast. They're always looking for new writers and YouTube reviewers to join the team because they themselves aren't talented enough to write them. In all honesty, they're not even sure Frank can read. But their listeners can. So send your reviews to popcultureleftovers at gmail.com and if the leftovers like it, they'll contact you and you could see your article featured on popcultureleftovers.com. Thank you. Oh yeah. Leftover Army. You should follow The Leftovers on Instagram at instagram.com slash popcultureleftovers and on Tumblr at popcultureleftovers2.tumblr.com. If you get a few shots of vodka in you, it's almost as sexy as my voice. That's gangster. All right. Hey, welcome back. It is the news portion of the show, but you know what? We've kind of, we've kind of like, uh, we, we, we've added a little bit of a uh, spice to the show. We've added some new, some new blood into the show. We're injecting it. We've got some more initial D that we're injecting it with, right, Harmon? <laughs> oh, you know it. Yes. Oh, you need, you need Keith for that. He's a huge initial D arcade game fan. Oh Surprise. yeah, we have we have <laughs> that voice is Aaron for Nerd Porn. Welcome Aaron to Pop Culture Leftovers for like the fifth or sixth time I've lost track. Yeah, thank you for having me back again. And uh we also have John from Friday Night Fandom. John, this is your first time on the show. Don't make it your fucking last. <laughs> Yeah, I'll try my hardest not to. I mean, seriously, like I, you know, don't. Let's not let's 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 not jump into Hopner territory. Oh my god, I, I'm not gonna front. I I I liked some of the stuff he had to say, but just not how much he wanted to say it. <laughs> I, I was at my desk at work, like. Please just get like move move on. Just move on. <laughs> I did have to nip it in the bud there a few times. Ooh. All right, guys. I think we've talked a little too long about Apocalypse's power set. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, guys. Let's, uh, John, Aaron, thanks for joining us. This is, this is like, this is like crazy. We've got, uh, three members from the Leftover Army, two of which have their own podcast. This is just a, uh, clusterfuck, a gaggle. <laughs> if you will. A, a gaggle. You know, do you know what they call a bunch of crows? A murder, right? A murder. Yeah, murder. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do to Hopner last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knew too. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if he knew or not. What, now, let me ask you: Was he live in the studio yes. with you guys? I yeah. like to use the word "studio," by the way. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was live in the uh, the uh, dining room table. Yeah. God, I don't know how you didn't just reach across and <laughs> give him a hug. Is what I'm saying. Love yeah. that guy. Love that guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to move on to the pop culture leftovers news. Yeah, 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 read all about it. It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, guys. The Transformers Twitter account, which I'm sure all of you are following. <laughs> oh, naturally. <laughs> I, that's all I follow on Twitter. I actually don't even have a Twitter, and I don't. I don't know. I don't understand it. But anyways, what are they doing? Okay, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> My grandma probably has one. <laughs> uh, the Transformer Twitter account revealed that 78-year-old veteran actor Anthony Hopkins has been cast in Transformers The Last Night. The next day, we also find out that he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and will sign up for any fucking role ever. <laughs> <laughs> he had a stroke. Yeah. He had a stroke the day before, and thought it would be a good idea to get signed on to Transformers the last night. No, seriously, I think he's in good health, but his role has not been confirmed. But we've got veteran actor Anthony Hopkins in Transformers the last night. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's Cannibal a bit of robots. A, yeah, that's a bit of a jump off. I mean, a drop off in his career. Like he usually makes. You know, pretty, pretty good career decisions. And this is, I mean, I mean, I guess it's a good decision monetarily. It's just yeah. not really in his wheelhouse of movies. Yeah. yeah, this is, this is Glenn Close, uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Bad. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, be, he'll be mailing that one in. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely going to be phoning this performance. In. Oh yeah, I, I just we don't I, know if it's going to be uh, like a uh, a live performance or just a voice either. Do we? No. Yeah, we don't know. He could be going all John Goodman with Hound and be playing a robot, for all we know. Or, like, the villain in this one. But the rumor is there was confirmation. It's not a rumor. It's actually confirmation from Michael Bay on Instagram that Megatron will return for Transformers last night, which makes zero sense after Megatron was Galvatron (laughs) in the last movie. It got his ass handed to him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really confusing, man. And, yeah, and is he going to do a voice or not? And will it make a difference? I don't know. Probably not. John Goodman didn't make a difference for me doing the voice. Right. You know, it didn't make the movie better or worse or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, yuck. <laughs> I, you know, well, they gave John Goodman, like, the really cool, uh, was it the the wiry beard? Yeah. That yeah. would move around. I hope they give Anthony Hopkins' character, like, Jamaican dreads. <laughs> <laughs> that just just whip around predator style. Just, as he turns around, he just smacks Optimus in the face. <laughs> Optimus is trying to get fucking special move. These fucking coax cable dreads out of his fucking 
blast shield on his goddamn face. <laughs> That's why he has a blast shield in the first yeah, place. It's like, fuck. How come, how come the Transformers have never kissed each other? They have lips <laughs> in these movies. They do. I yeah. mean, why are they wasting that potential? It's all off screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen. Uh, I saw the first two Transformers, and then uh, I didn't see the three or four. So, oh, I'm yeah, kind of... you're you're doing yourself a disservice, sir. <laughs> well, I listened to you guys' review, and once I heard that Mark Wahlberg basically wants to fuck his own daughter in that movie, I was like, maybe I will give it a watch. <laughs> uh, hey, John, do do you watch these Transformer movies? No, I think I've seen the first two, but I've never seen anything after that. You should really watch that. I don't know. They're just for the the comedic. Yeah. For, I don't know. It's just it's a comedy at this point. To it me. is. Yeah. yeah. It's a crazy fucking action comedy. And they just make up mythology as they go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do. It's. I like, really liked. Uh, I really enjoyed the first one. Actually, I'll still watch it to this day if it's on TV. Uh, and I'm a Shia LaBeouf fan or LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fucking crazy. But Holes was good, and um, so was Transformers One. Uh, and maybe even Stevens. I don't know. I was too old for that show. I was too old for even Stevens. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was too old. I was too old for Holes. I've never seen yeah, Holes I either. Seen I thought it was a porno. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I already get called a molester on my own show enough. But I watched that one in college. I think it was on. Uh, my buddy said it was really good, so I worked at Blockbuster, and I was like, "Fuck it," and rented it. And it was pretty damn good. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Aaron too. Aaron too thought it was a porno. Fuck <laughs> it. I mean, any, anything's a porno if you try hard enough. <laughs> true. It's true. Oh man, I can't tell you how many times I've whacked it off the Schindler's list. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. Oh God, we're wow. back at Auschwitz. You know Jay does. Yeah. That's a lot of dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't. Know, I don't. Know. I. I can't tell you that I. It's weird. I was thinking about this on the way on the drive here. Uh, I was actually thinking about this. Like, I. It's not that I'm not looking forward to another Transformers movie. It's to the point where I've basically. I'm like an old boxer that just put down the gloves. I have stopped fighting. No, that is not. A, I'm sorry about Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. even trying. Oh, I was not trying to go there. The, no. we, we lost a legend, and he was awesome. Yes. But I, I put down the gloves with Transformers a long time ago, being like a diehard fan. And just accepting these movies for like the train wreck that they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually kind of like looking forward to seeing like how they fuck it up more, I guess, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fun of it. That's the fun of all of them for me, you know, Mm -hmm. is how bad this is going to be. Yeah. So yeah, I I almost enjoy it. The real question I have is who's going to be the lead this time? It's Mark Wahlberg. He's back. Oh, really? Yeah, he's back. He's confirmed. He's going to be like, I'm a scientist. Okay, I'm a fucking scientist. Because he has to say it, otherwise you won't believe it. Uh, my name's Kate Yeager. Uh, I think we just found the Transformer. <laughs> I'm a genius. Hey, that robot just turned into a car. <laughs> Pack the car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. That's the thing that's happening. Transformers the last night, Anthony Hopkins just... Just taking on any role. <laughs> he's basically like he's like Robert De Niro, just taking on any comedy that they throw at him. Yeah. At this point, and it's it's sad. 
<laughs> yeah, so. I, I watched part of The Intern the other day. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that. I saw it. I liked it. I liked it, too. Mm-mm. Oh, God. Uh, it, Dude, Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway is really her, – her relationship with Robert De Niro is really endearing. It's just like this sad old man whose, wife's, the, whose wife died. And it's just like I felt really sad for this fucking old guy who's not got shit else to do. It's like like what else is he going to do? Just sit in a fucking lonely room by himself and stare at a goddamn wall and wish and wish his wife back? No, he's out there and he's fucking doing shit. And I was just I was rooting for this guy. I I liked their relationship a lot. I liked both of their characters, but it's it's. I'm I'm one of those film snob guys because I went to film school for a little bit and now you got really you got you got to drop that don't you Aaron? <laughs> no 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 it's, I have to say that because what I'm gonna say is annoying but there was so every conversation in that movie was a two shot and it was driving me nuts it was literally two angles one over each person's shoulder and they were just cutting back and forth I, I, every, can, see, I, I can see Aaron watching this and just being like oh fucking classic two shot <laughs> it's exactly what I said my girlfriend probably wanted to stab me but you know it's it was it was good I enjoyed it uh, I thought Anders from uh, uh, Alcoholics was really annoying though yeah I, I, I wasn't I, I'm not used to seeing him in that kind of a role where I hate him because he, he's a character he as a as a character actor I usually love him mm-hmm. so yeah it was hard seeing him in that role uh, Transformers is so interesting that it takes the conversation <laughs> to the intern. <laughs> That was my bad. You said De Niro, and I just thought, I, like, yeah, I, I went off on De Niro. No, I like these little rabbit holes we go down sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of holes, Shia LaBeouf back in the news. <laughs> you guys heard about him? I told you guys about this. The yeah. whole fucking yeah. Did we talk about that earlier? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. we did. We already covered yeah, for that a little bit. Yeah. Moving on, Joel Silver. He's a producer for the Nice Guys. He talked with Loaded about the new Predator film called. The Predator. Huh. It's directed by Shane Black and coming out February 9th of 2018. This is what Joel Silver said. He says, I think there's a sense that Fox has been putting these films out as fodder. Not bad movies, but modest budgets with a guaranteed return every few years. There's not a lot of fanfare or a sense that they're being eventized. They're not a memorable experience you save for the summer. I think that Ridley with Prometheus... And his Alien prequel, that's the kind of even status we need to reinstate for the Predator. Hmm. Woof. Hmm. Um, guys, I saw the nice guys. I've seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I've seen you know the Lethal Weapon movies. Um, there's uh, is Shane Black. Is he the guy that's going to be able to do this right? And what do you guys want to see from a Predator franchise other than them just giving up? well i don't know that shane black's necessarily the guy uh but i mean i guess if he goes like some weird buddy cop in a jungle fighting an alien kind of thing because he's good you know kiss kiss bang bang is an amazing film and obviously so are all the lethal weapons but Mm -hmm. i don't know that he can do necessarily predator without injecting some comedy in there which i don't know needs to be there well see that's what he does Uh, he's he's known for comedy noir films mm -hmm. and that's what he does and that's not I. That's not what I think this film needs. I no, and I mean I know I know you loved Iron Man three. I know you loved it. <laughs> we hear it every week, but uh, I just don't think he's got it in him for Predator. I'm, I'm not going to front. Um, 
it's rumored to be a sequel, I guess a direct sequel? It's not confirmed, but it's rumored to be a sequel to 1987's Predator. So this huh. is going to be, from what I'm reading, it's going to be canon and a direct sequel. So I don't know if they're taking out the Danny Glover thing. Wow. Or, yeah. or the Danny Glover thing happens later, and like this is like right after. So I, what I'm worried about is that they're going to be like, okay, let's let's bring back Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. I'm I don't know and they may, they might have been thinking about doing that, but did Terminator Genesis kill that? Because I haven't heard anything else about Conan coming back. No. Mm-mm. They were just talking about the new Conan movie coming back. We're he would be the older older yeah, grizzled King. King Conan yeah. on the throne. I haven't heard shit about that. So, what do you guys like? What What would you do to fucking fix the Predator? Oh man, that's a tough question <laughs> to fix the Predator. I do like that they're going to continue this off the original. Like, if this is a direct sequel, you you can do away with or it can't be Arnold then. No, no. You know, I I don't want Arnold in this at all. But man, that that's that's the tough part. What setting are you going to do this in? That's going to be intriguing because the jungle was the best setting that they could possibly, in my opinion, mm-hmm. on the planet Earth to put the predator in would be the jungle. I think he should show up at like a child pageant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just but here, here, here's my here's my thing. No, not kill the kids. Kill the mothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kill them all. Basically, basically free those kids from a fucking like a life of servitude to their fucking yeah. mothers and being in these bullshit pageants. Paraded around exactly, yeah. but why? Why don't they take it back to the past? Because to me, you can't. You did it in uh, Predator Two. You brought them to the city, and yeah, that's kind of intriguing, kind yeah. of. But compared to the jungle aspect, no. We saw the the short film Predator: The Dark Ages. That was kind of cool. They went back with the knights and stuff yeah. like that. Are you saying taking it, not taking it back that far? Not that far. Okay. But taking, taking it back, maybe, maybe even to like the Vietnam War or something, you know, I, I'm sorry, but yeah, you might have to bring it back to the jungles mm-hmm. for me to really fucking love this next hey, one. Hey, Axl Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, I think you either have to do that or you have to take it way into the future. The last movie, Predator was in the jungle. It was. And it was basically they were going off of the same beats from the original film. Yeah. And and I didn't I didn't I liked it. I didn't love it though, uh-huh. you know, and I didn't love it like I did the original yeah. Predator. I think uh just kind of because of the writing standpoint of that. But I think there's there's tons of stories they can tell about these predators being in the past mm-hmm. or in the future. And it, it being an interesting it's all th- it's I, all about the set. I'm thinking about universe but I'm thinking about like universe building and it should be like the predator and to catch a predator. <laughs> oh, God. All in one. Where's yeah. Chris Hansen, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think he's busy. Just the predator killing a bunch of pedophiles like <laughs> and it's you know like he the predator only attacks when guys like have a weapon. Yeah, yeah. He's basically well he's cutting dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! It's Chris Hansen catching the predator. He's in the jungle, and he's like, "What are you? What are you doing here? Why don't you have a seat?" And then all the soldiers come in. When the predator goes to leave, they come and take him down. That's, that's basically what happens. But they, they have they have to have a main. Uh, they have to have the main guy that's like a, a legitimate. 
uh, hunting prey for this prey. You gotta have your Dutch. And I don't feel like we had that with, with Danny Glover whatsoever. So. Well, why don't we just put a, why don't we just put a band-aid on every franchise like we always do and cast The Rock? You could. You could. That's not a bad idea. I think it is a bad idea. I don't think that's a terrible idea. What do you guys think? Well, I like The Rock, but I, I'd i love to see someone like Guillermo del Toro take the reins of the Predator series. I'm I'm a huge fan of Predators because I love Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – I don't think it was a great – Predator movie, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Let's let's get the let's cast the two pussiest guys ever. Let's get Adrian <laughs> Brody and Topher Grace in here, and those are your badasses. No, I want Gears of War looking motherfuckers yeah. taking on the Predators. <laughs> right. I don't want fucking Steve Urkel and Dustin Diamond out there running around in the goddamn jungle. <laughs> Fuck right, that let me, shit. Let me blow. Let me blow your mind. Ready? You want? You want Gears of War? Look got fucking Screech out there hunting a predator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We scrape the WWE. We don't go for Brock Lesnar. I mean, Brock. We don't go. We go for Brock Lesnar. That, okay. I just spoiled it, but because he's humongous. Yes. Give Brock Lesnar a giant helicopter gun, like one of those mounted fifty caliber guns, and just let him uh, loose in the woods. <laughs> you're talking. You're talking. You're talking. I mean, you're right now. You're preaching to the choir, man. That's fucking like uh, Jesse Ventura coming back. You know? Yeah. And you know what I say? Give him zero lines. Make him foreign. He doesn't. Know, he doesn't know a single word of English. And just have him make up babble language so that you can just, you know, uh, close caption it so we don't have to ever have to try and have him act. Yeah, he's like a sociopath. He's just in the forest with no emotions, killing predators. And and there you go. John, what are you? What, are you a big fan of Predator? Is this like your thing? Uh, no, but I enjoyed the movies. I like this last one. Uh, but I agree with what you're saying. Like some big dude in the jungle hunting down predators. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to go with the rock. He's fucking humongous. The rock is huge. And I'm a big fan of the rock. But my big problem with this, John, I I love the rock. I can't wait to watch central intelligence. I think it looks really funny. But my problem with that is it's like, it feels like the rock. They are, they've already made him uh, Hercules. They, and we're hearing that he's going to come back as uh, Jack Burton in uh, you know Big Trouble in Little China. I Ugh. feel like Hollywood, <laughs> yeah, Hollywood is just trying to basically just like fix all these things by just putting The Rock in there because The Rock makes Hollywood a lot of money. You can say whatever you want to about San Andreas, which I thought was an entertaining film. I gave it a taste it. But you can say, oh, well, I thought it was bullshit. I thought it was a horrible movie. It was one of the top ten financially successful movies for 2015. It made the top ten. The Rock makes money. The guy shits fucking money. Yeah. So is that – I mean, but that's not what I want. Harmon, what do you want, man? Are you a a fan of The Predator? I mean, I love the original Predator. I I even dug Alien vs. Predator. Uh, Even, like, some of the more modern Predator comics have been great. And I'm going to go back to what Jay said. The Predator is best when he's in the jungle. You look at the Predator. He's such like a primal type of beast. And he just thrives in that environment. And that's what we need. Yeah. And as much as I love The Rock, I don't need another action movie with The Rock in it. Like, I mean, he did great in the Fast and Furious movies. He's done a lot of good work as this action star. But there's got to be someone else out there, even if they're more unknown, who is physically big enough and can act halfway decent enough to shoot, you know, badass aliens in the jungle. Mm. Guys, let's... Cruise. 
Terry Crews. Let's, let's, I, that's where <laughs> well, I'm going. I'm so that, be down for that. That's where I'm going, guys. Ex- percent Terry ex- Crews. Expendables 5. Expendables versus Predator. Oh shit! <laughs> I'm buying my ticket right now. Yeah, for sure. I'm talking Sylvester Stallone, Jet Li, Terry fucking Cruz. Fuck yeah! I'm talking all these fucking guys. Dolph Lundgren coming in there, and they're the guys out in the jungle. I just got chills. They're the guys out in the jungle. Let's <laughs> let's take let's take these guys into that sci-fi fucking territory. Yeah. I want to see not. I don't want to see one predator out there fighting them. I want to see them. I want to see the fucking first set of fucking predators that come out there fucking get wasted, and they got to send more goddamn predators out there for these motherfuckers. <laughs> I want them to be on the other, on the receiving end of this fucking. Ah, shit. that would be a good twist. Like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I want, man. That's I, awesome. Yeah, oh, I, I love that fucking idea. It could be like the movie Three Hundred, where they are the fucking Spartans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Take well, that concept. Guys- yeah. Who do you like as a director then? Director? Oh man, mm. Sylvester Stallone. Just yeah, I mean he's he's doing all the things for the Expendables, man. And other than that last movie, he'd been he's honestly he'd been killing it. I mean he he knew he he knew who his audience was. Mm-hmm. He knew who his audience was. These are people that grew up in the eighties and nineties that love these action stars. That's my audience. That's who I want to get in theaters. And that's what he did. That's who he catered to. I would just get Stallone in there to do to work his magic like he did in the first two Expendables movies. They're cheap movies. Even this doesn't have to be too expensive. I mean, you don't have to have like too much CGI. Yeah. I mean, it just it's a prosthetic suit. Right. Prosthetic suit, and you're in the fucking jungle. Let's do this. Yeah, it's just a laser blast and the invisibility that they need to worry about. I want to see Terry Crews take over one of the Predator ships. And fucking him flying around screaming and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree a thousand percent. Terry Crews should be in everything. Yeah, yeah. Terry Crews as as Superman. I don't care. Crews, <laughs> uh, what is it? What, what is that? Blues Clues? Cruise Clues? Cruise Blues? Cruise Clues? <laughs> It's hard to say. <laughs> that's, that's a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to have an interesting team would be nice, yes, too. Yes, but I am talking about Terry Crews rebooting that little blue dog show. Right. <laughs> Cruise Clues. <laughs> Cruise Clues. It's Cruise Clues on a booze cruise with Terry Crews. Yes. And he's Whoa. just drunk with a dog trying to solve a mystery. I don't know. <laughs> and trying to stay away from those porno sites, am I right? <laughs> Don't leave him by himself. <laughs> so is that why the one guy got kicked off? What happened? What? No, on Blue's Clues. I thought you were just telling me a secret about the, the first guy on that no, show. Terry Crews. <laughs> Terry Crews came out like in the news a month or two ago telling people that he had an addiction to porn. Oh, okay. I just wanted to be like, Terry, it's, it's called being a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's there, it's easy, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoopty shit, Terry, I got a dick too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to some fucking Marvel news. <laughs>
Marvel news. All right, Marvel news this week. Appearing on Fat Man on Batman podcast, interviewer Kevin Smith asked Joe Casada, why the fuck am I on this show when this is a Batman podcast and I clearly work for Marvel? <laughs> why is he on any podcast? I'm sick. I'm so sick of him. Actually, Kevin Smith asked Casada. He said, um, "What did he say?" He he he, he said something about uh, uh, the same people that own Iron Man own the Submariner. Joe Casada replied, "I can't speak for studios. As far as I know, yeah, we do. It's not at Fox. It's not at Sony. Yeah, um, what Joe Casada sounds like? He's so out of the fucking loop here because he mentions <laughs> Fox." And then Sony, neither of them have ever owned the Submariner. <laughs> Submariner was owned, I believe, by Universal. And That's what I heard. Yeah. And so now Casada says he cannot confirm or deny it. Um, so I I don't know. I don't I don't even know where I want to go with this. It it just sounded like somebody took his words as like the scripture that Namor is a part of the Marvel. He could be a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and and they did that because he's head of the comic book universe, but he has no say in the cinematic universe at all. So right. he might be an advisor, but uh, obviously, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <clears throat> Would any of you guys want to see Namor in a in a movie at all? Uh, yeah, honestly, I don't know if if. Let's watch that. Let's you know what Marvel. Watch that. Let's watch that Aquaman movie first. (laughs) (laughs) That holding your breath movie. (laughs) Yeah. Let's watch that Aquaman movie first. We'll watch how they fuck that up, (laughs) and uh, and then and then Marvel can do the opposite. That little cameo was more like awkward man because it was really (laughs) awkward watching him pretend to not have to breathe in the water. Terrible. <laughs> it's like the first like three takes he passed out. <laughs> they had somebody had to fucking like uh, perform CPR on him. Yeah, <laughs> he finally got it right. They cut together the right take. I I just I don't know. I it, it sounded to me like Casada just didn't really know what was going on. Um, I mean, he isn't in charge of the comic stuff. He's not Feige. He's not even Jeff Loeb who does the TV stuff. So it was like. One of those things until, I, I don't know. I know that they can make a Namor TV show if they want to. Because, like, in the TV world, they have the rights to all the characters. They yeah. have the rights to the X-Men. They have the rights to the Fantastic Four. They have the rights to Namor. They can do, like, if they wanted to do a Namor Netflix series, they could do it. Mm-hmm. But as far as the cinematic rights, I don't know. Like, like, are we going there? Are we doing Namor? I mean, Namor would be cool to see him fight Black Panther. Those two don't like each other. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But I think, like, yeah, I, I don't even think they're worrying about this now. This is like, this is like Phase Four shit, or even Phase Five shit. Yeah. What would have triggered Kevin Smith to ask that question in the first place? Oh, he was thinking about eating some seafood later. <laughs> he had <laughs> he had Joe Casada on because he thought his name was Joe Quesadilla. <laughs> <laughs> He was the one to eat some fish tacos later. <laughs> I just, I'm sick of fucking Kevin Smith weighing in on everything. Same like, here. He has to voice an opinion on everything, and it's so annoying. You hear I mean, that? We, you, know. you hear that, Kevin Smith? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stop having opinions. 
<laughs> we're all dudes with with podcasts like I know. that. We assume everyone wants to hear our opinion. So what the fuck do I know? <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like it, there are people that actually want to hear his opinions, though. <laughs> so it's like if the, you know, The Force Awakens comes out, and like the next podcast after that movie comes out, if Kevin Smith says nothing about it, people are going to be like, "What does he think about it?" And now here we are shooting him down and telling him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I just I want him to make a good movie before he starts talking again. Because, like, he hasn't in a while. What, you're not looking forward to Moose Jaws? Or Yoga Hosers or whatever the fuck? Did Yoga Hosers come out? It's uh, it's actually it's touring right now. And then it'll have wide release, I think, uh, in J- late June or July. But it's actually touring right now. He's going to different cities and showing it off. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I don't even know the other one you mentioned, so maybe I should just read up on some uh, Kevin Smith before I talk shit on him. He, well, he is making a movie about in he filmed it in Canada. It's it's basically Jaws with a moose. <laughs> oh my god! I feel like well, we know that Tusk was that. It was literally just him being like, "Wouldn't it be funny if we made a movie about a guy turning into a fucking walrus?" And then he was like, uh, "I'll do that, I guess." They need to I give. Good. Go, no, well, I'm just saying that they need to give the director credit to marijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been doing a lot of that, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just, Aaron, I didn't mean I, to cut you off. No, 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 just someone needs to say no. It's like, you know, any director, at a certain point, you got to say no to the people that, that, like, when they start pulling some ridiculous shit, you got to say, rein it in. Make a regular movie. Nobody wants to see a guy turn into a fucking walrus because walrus aren't even cool. The Weinsteins did say no. I mean, the Weinsteins said no to him. Like they're they're doing shit with fucking like uh, Quentin Tarantino now. But the Weinsteins said no to him. I and, and I think Hollywood in general has kind of said no to him. He's not going to get like the budget of a cop out movie again. Mm. I mean, he's yeah. basically like Bloomhouse films at this point. Like Bloomhouse does the horror movies where they make each movie for like five million dollars and under. Kevin Smith is basically just basically like his own version of Bloomhouse at this point where mm. he'll make a real cheap movie and like you know make a little bit of pro- profit and then he does this podcast to promote it yeah and he'll do his like live <laughs> shows to promote but he's never gonna get like he's never gonna have like another uh, studio offer him like okay here's here's a huge budget make cop out mm-hmm. that's not happening anymore and sadly I loved cop out <laughs> I thought it was very forgettable because I can't remember anything about it. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Tracy Morgan, though, so that's probably why. I like Tracy Morgan, but too. Yeah. He also apparently just makes headlines by asking leading questions so that he can get his name on the internet again. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, are you, I know we're, <laughs> you're going to have a lot more to say when we get into DC news. I have a feeling. Um, oh, I saw that. But... Um, <laughs> But John's a huge fan of DC stuff, so we're, he's going to have a lot. But, I mean, do you care about seeing a Namor movie? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. But at the same time, when you told me about this, I was looking it up, and he seems like an interesting character. He seems like a very edgier version of Aquaman. Yeah. So I, I don't know. From what I read, it says that most of his story has to do with Fantastic Four stuff. Yes. So I don't know how they would incorporate him into the MCU. That's true. Uh, basically with Namor, there was, there was a part in his life where he was, he was in love with, um, uh, Sue Storm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that was a big part of his character, but, you know, 
neither if, if he's with the, if he's with Universal, they have no rights to Fantastic Four. If he's with the MCU, they still have no rights to the Fantastic Four. Yeah. So I don't know. I uh, the actor Brian T, who played the Shredder in the Out of Shadows, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, he said his dream role would be to play Namor. Wow. Okay. Well, keep on dreaming. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's a terrible dream. <laughs> yeah, that's he was not a very good shredder. So, I don't know. <laughs> Harmon, if you could have it, you know, I got to ask you this question. You better give me the right fucking answer, Chief. Oh if, God! If you could have any Marvel character in a Marvel movie, who would it be? You better answer you right. Al- you already know this. Yes, answer. give it to me. There is only one. That is the that is Doreen Green, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I had to hear it, man. I just had to hear. I had to hear it for myself. Okay. And at this point, I'd much rather see Squirrel Girl than Namor in uh, a live action MCU movie. Yeah. I think Squirrel Girl would be a really fun Netflix cartoon for kids. I could see that too. I just want more Squirrel Girl in general. <laughs> we, we know you do, Harvey. <laughs> Every email that you've ever sent us implies that. I mean, she's no Apple from Turbo Kid. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> Damn, guys, here's a here's here's a headline out of Variety. Uh, it caught my attention. Uh, it said, and I know it probably caught Aaron's attention. Brie Larson, the front runner to play Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, and the reason I'm saying I'm super- this. Is because super excited. Me too. She uh, she's a Oscar winner for best actress for Room. Aaron, talk to me about. I I, everybody who's listened to the podcast knows how I feel about this movie. How did you feel about Brie Larson in Room? I loved that movie. I I actually hunted it out after listening to your guys' podcast about it, and it wasn't playing around me for like three weeks, and I was kind of sad because I I thought it wasn't going to show down here. Mm-hmm. And then Oscar buzz I found a showing, and I was super excited, and I watched it, and I cried like a baby, and it was awesome. I thought, I mean, she was amazing, and the the kid in it was incredible. Yeah, Jacob so. Tremblay, man, that kid is just fantastic. Yeah, I I couldn't believe a, a child that age could act as well as he did. Mm-hmm. It, it, but she she was great. Um, I've never seen her in an action movie, but you know, I I think anybody can can pull off you know a superhero film at this point. They just stick their face on things, you know, like Iron Man, Tony Stark's, or, well, Robert Downey Jr. is not even in a suit anymore, so they can make her do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing I have issue with is the fact that she's. I'm all for this. If she gets the role, I'm I'm on board. The only problem I have is with the character of Carol Danvers is the fact that Brie Larson is 26 years old mm-hmm. and Carol Danvers is a colonel in the Air Force. Usually a colonel is going to be a little bit older than 26. Yeah. They might have to age her up a little bit. True, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably easier than aging her down though. Yeah, the, I don't know. How much money did it tr- cost them to age Robert Downey Jr. down in Civil War? Mm-hmm. That was like a $10 million scene by itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Room. Uh, I, I saw her in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World yeah. and 21 Jump Street. So I don't, I don't know how she'll play as the action hero. 
I think oh, I better than, hey better than Ronda Rousey. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, and I think she definitely has the appearance and the look right. that that they need for that. So I think it's a great casting. I I want to see what she does with it. Yeah, make her a colonel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe she's just in the army. Yeah, they they don't. Ha- I guess they don't have to do the colonel route necessarily. You yeah, know, they don't. You I know. guess not. But I think it's good. I think she has a good face for that. I, I think she'll she'll bring a lot to that character. And do you think that they are going to have her as an established Captain Marvel, or do you think that we are going to be introduced to her in the Air Force and then her, you know, uh, finding like a, you know, like a like a like a one of the Kree is dying, and that's the original Captain Marvel, and then he gives her the abilities of Captain Marvel. Do you think they're going to go origin story on this one, or you, you think they're just going to be like, okay, boom, we're going fucking cosmic with this chick? I think you'll well, see. I, I sorry, I, th- I think you'll see her first before you get any kind of origin story in another movie or in her own movie. In, in another movie, okay. I think they're itching for that, and I think it's going to take. I think it will take her own movie to give you give you that origin. Because the story. first we're seeing a Doctor Strange is in his own movie. Yes, yes, for sure. But I think much like Wonder Woman, I think the best way to bring her in without it being too jarring or hokey is to have her already established mm-hmm. as a cosmic hero. You know? What if they cast Brie Larson as Squirrel Girl, Harmon? What are you doing first day? You hear that news? Oh man, see, I'm a big fan of Brie Larson. Uh, I mean, I absolutely loved her in Scott Pilgrim. I haven't seen Room yet, but I need to check that out. But uh, I don't know. See, for me, Squirrel Girl, she's got to be a little bit chunkier than Brie Larson. Like, Squirrel Girl is a very full-figured lady. <laughs> but uh, but Brie Larson, I mean, she could pull it off. I mean, she looked good with a tail. Harmon likes his squirrels plus size. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a, a big deal with the character in the in the new comics is that she is a... A plus size superhero. The, the, uh, Valiant is doing the exact same thing with a character that they have uh, called Faith, and it's she's a plus size superhero. And I think the book's doing pretty well, from what I hear. So nice, uh, John. Pictures you, of that. John, we're still not in DC. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I want to go to DC news because I want to I want to hear so, I want to hear some John. But uh, oh, I don't mind. I'm I'm enjoying listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make a Hopner joke. <laughs> the only thing he loved listening to was his own voice. Yeah. <laughs> he he edited out the podcast to where like it's only him. <laughs> I mean he tried to do it while you guys were recording. <laughs> it, he was trying to get rid of Jake, it sounded like he every time Jake went to talk, he'd be like, Well, I'm just gonna cut in here. <laughs> And this is a good place to interject. (laughs) All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to do some DC news because I don't. I don't even know if John's here. I'm not saying like that's a bad thing. It's not a Hopner thing, so that's good, right? And this is the last episode that Daniel ever listened to. Yeah, he's done. I was going to say, he, he's never listening again. <laughs> well, he, I don't think he ever heard us say anything to begin with. <laughs> Can you imagine him listening to the podcast and just talking over us in his car? Yeah, he probably sits at his desk at work and just talks to himself while yeah. listening to you. <laughs> he's like, why, why is my nickname Mumbles? Why does everybody call me Mumbles? 
<laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, I'm just you know I'm going to call it John News. <laughs> we'll be back with DC News. I'm fresh. All right. Hey, we are back. It's time. Hey, everybody. What's up? Okay, Hopner. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my Jay impersonation. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, it was, uh, we, we took a break and then Harmon regaled us with a tale of uh, him jacking off a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I don't know what the gata was in that, that scenario. It was the life or death situation, and it still ended in death anyway. <laughs> did it? Did it? Did it make the <laughs> noise? Did it? Did that happen? <laughs> hey, hey, guys! Yeah, we, it made some interesting noises. We already talked about you know a, a, a gaggle is a bunch of geese. Yes, a bunch of crows is called a murder. What do they call a bunch of donkeys? Assholes? <laughs> I uh, guess. Yeah, I don't know. Jackasses. Jackasses, yeah. That's where I'm going with this nice. one. <laughs> Sounds like a gangbang. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, if Harmon's involved. Yeah, Har- def- definitely if Harmon's involved. All right, guys. It is time for DC News. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right. We've got some DC emails this week. Mm. Uh, first one comes from Dan Huber. These are both Flash-related, okay. uh, Flash TV show. Hey, Brian, Jake, and Jason. This is Dan Huber from Maryland. At this point, I could tell you when I started listening, and this is my first letter, but I'm sure you guys really don't give a shit. And obviously, this is my first letter because you don't know me, motherfuckers. (laughs) Anyway, I'm here to talk about the Flash season finale. The whole plan that Joe, Harry, Cisco, and everyone else had to just push Zoom through a breach and trap him on Earth 2 was ridiculous. They had already said earlier in the season that they didn't want to just leave him stranded on Earth 2 because then everyone there would be in danger of him. Yet, everyone had no problem now just pushing him in the breach and forgetting about him. What would stop him from going on a rampage and start murdering people on Earth 2? And Jesse, at the end, talking about how she wanted to go back to Earth 2 because her friends were there was just fucking stupid. (laughs) Why is she all of a sudden concerned and missing them if not even 30 minutes ago she was fine with leaving Zoom stuck in the same city with them? It just doesn't make sense. And it feels like the writers missed some pretty big plot holes. Their plan was just a really selfish one with no thought of anyone on Earth 2. That really bothered me the whole episode, especially considering that they had said they didn't want to get rid of him that way earlier in the season. All of that aside, I am excited to see if they go full Flashpoint Paradox or at least some form of it next season, considering the cliffhanger we got. Uh, It'd be really interesting to see if it affects the other CW shows. Speaking of, did any of you guys watch the Arrow finale? Uh, Holy fuck, that was a dumpster fire of shit and rotting crabs. Oh, God. (laughs) The way they defeated Dark was dumb. Oliver's speech was corny as fuck, and Malcolm's constant... 
is he a good guy, bad guy, or just a shit back, shit bag back and forth is getting old. Here's hot, here's hoping season five is a little better. This one kind of sucked ass in general. Anyway, I've gone on long enough. Thanks for a great show and all the laughs, Dan Huber. Hmm. All right, guys. So, Flash. Yeah, I, I, I think I Tupperwared it just because they kind of like, uh, they wrapped up that whole, uh, time remnant thing, which I thought was like, oh, is this ever going to fucking pay off? And, right. And I felt like it did, and, and that's why I gave it a Tupperware. But he brings up some great points. Yeah. Uh, you know, about the whole Earth 2 thing. Another thing, it's like, like, you know, I, I got upset when they're talking about this guy dying. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't they just leave him on Earth 2 to die? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he was dying anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was definitely, but it, you know, for some reason or another, I still enjoyed it. You know, it mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't take away from it for me. I'm glad Zoom is somewhat mm-hmm. or another still around somewhere. Yeah, Jay's just crushing popcorn on his face. <laughs> yeah. so, mindlessly. Mindlessly. <laughs> enjoying everything. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, John, Aaron, do you, either of you guys watch Arrow? Uh, I, watched, I was, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I watched seasons one and two, uh, and then I couldn't catch three in time. Like, I wasn't watching it as it came out, and then I just stopped. Yeah. So, what, no. John, what about <laughs> you, man? I, I was keeping up with it this season, but I got like, oh, I don't know, maybe like less than 10 episodes in, and it is fucking garbage. That's why I stopped watching. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> fucking garbage. Yeah, season one and season two were fucking great. Like, they were really, really good. But then after that, the show really starts to go down. Yeah, it's one of those things that I don't think I'm going to be jumping back on Arrow from, like, everything that I've heard. I don't know. and Maybe it does take away from, like, the crossover episodes a little bit when they do reference Arrow show stuff. It feels like every time I watch the Arrow, somebody new is dating Felicity. (laughs) (laughs) I can't keep it straight. Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing out there. Next email we got is from Scott Shooty. Hail Hydra, bitches. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Old man Shooty. Right out there with the Hail Hydra bitches. Uh, loved your thoughts on the season two end of The Flash as the entire season was a Tupperware for me. I, for one, love the endless possibilities that the next season may have for us, and I wanted to share some ideas. Classic Scott Shooty. Yeah. <laughs> giving us his thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Big surprise. I can guarantee you it's going to be full of predictions. Yeah. Will The Flash point... Uh, will the Flash Flashpoint storyline cross over into the other CW shows? Probably not. Personally, I would love to see the network have enough balls to do just that. It would be amazing television. But I agree with Darth Bryan that the shows themselves have their own continuity that need to be preserved. Single crossover stories are fine, but season-affecting arcs aren't things that the studios are ready for yet. We will probably see alternate versions of Oliver Queen and the Legends crew in the Flash storyline, but not the other way around. And I am in total agreement with that. Yeah, I, I I I agree with that too. I think it's I think it's too much to at least right now. You know, maybe in a couple more seasons, but for right now, I don't I don't see how that's even possible mm-hmm. with the current continuity. Yeah, you can have them cross over here and there, but 
I, I don't see him doing like a defenders type situation like Marvel's doing with their show. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really see that yet. Yeah. Uh, he says the next obvious question surrounds characters from the Flashpoint series that I do very much want to see. DC has been very tight on the character of Batman, and we haven't seen him on the small screen since 1966. But I guess he doesn't watch Gotham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's there. Isn't that basically, Batman minus you know turning into Batman. Yeah, yeah, we got little Batman Junior. <laughs> <laughs> but what about alternate Thomas and Martha Wayne? Do you think they would have the balls to introduce Thomas Batman and Martha Joker as part of the ripple effects of Barry's actions? I would personally love such a move, and I believe the internet would melt down if they did. But I don't believe they will, which sucks. Guys, thoughts on this? Can you see them introducing Thomas Batman or Martha Joker in this? They probably Never. don't have the rights, right? I mean, uh, they, Fox has the Batman stuff, I guess. They have Gotham. Gotham. Mm-hmm. They have Gotham. It, they don't. They don't. They don't own the characters, though. Oh. Well, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, it, it would be a weird thing to just throw into a show that has no established <laughs> Batman, but, I mean. There was one reference of Batman in a Legends of Tomorrow episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. They mentioned something about Superman, and they mentioned something about Batman. I think I consider them more, and I can't, I can't even paraphrase what was said. Yeah. But somebody talked about throughout time that this that they had encountered Superman and I don't know. I don't know. So then they referenced Batman in sub capacity, but I can't Mm. see them actually using the characters in this series. No, I mean, it would be awesome, but I I don't think it, that's a big, that's a big plate to fill. John, you're our Batman guy. What do you think, man? Uh, I, I think that would be super cool, but I don't think they have the balls to pull something like that off. It kind of sucks, but it, it like it just won't happen. I'd love to see an Earth Two Batman. I mean, like it would be kind of cool if they if they were going to do it. Now would be the time to do it because once everything is set back into its original time stream, all that shit's gone. You know, and, and it would be just kind of like a cool thing for us to like witness on the CW show, like Thomas Batman and Martha Joker. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't think they'll do it. I really don't. No, I don't see it. I, I I don't I don't think most fans are keen enough on that for them to hone in on that either. I think true comic book fans, yeah, we we yeah. we know that story. We think it's a cool story, but uh, I think I don't think most people would be gung ho for that necessarily. Yeah, I see him more going Eobard Thawne next season. Yeah. than doing anything else. I do too. I think we'll see him again. Yep. He says one prediction I will make is you will definitely see Citizen Cold in season three. Uh, bringing Snark back in that capacity makes sense and could have a lot of interesting storylines for Barry. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's I'm 100% agreement with I that. I think that's why this whole deal went down, you yeah. know, for the most part. So, yeah, for sure. They're going to bring him back, and he's going to be kind of like this fucking hero for yeah for the for the city, and it's just going to be weird for Barry seeing like this piece of shit getting all the glory, yeah, <laughs> and him having none of his powers. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. So, I think that's where it's going. I think they'll definitely. They might even have an episode called Citizen Cold. Yeah. For sure, uh, he I don't says, know who that is, but it sounds cool. It's 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 Captain Cold in um, and basically Captain Cold in this version of Captain Cold is a hero, 
and he uh, in the comics he actually defeats Mister Freeze. Uh-huh. And uh, it's 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 an interesting arc for uh, Captain Cold. So I could definitely see you know that version showing up in this, and it's 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 basically just a way to bring Snart back into the universe yeah. after the spoilers after the penultimate episode of um it was either the penultimate or the finale of legends where snart died yeah penultimate yeah penultimate yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course we w- we should see the return of eobard thon and he should be a major thread throughout the show you did all this barry can't wait for that uh, can't effing wait for that line I will end here as this is getting into Chris Hohola territory. <laughs> hey, at least you don't have to play voicemails like some other podcasts. I can I can imagine the rants after 90% of them get cut off after people ramble on. Uh, keep on keeping on and stay the fuck out of my yard. He's talking about <laughs> voicemails on other people's podcasts. That's a reference to the League of Geeks. Ah, uh, oh, I, shit. I think we lost John. Oh yeah, he dropped at some point. Yeah, let me add John back to the call. Yeah, fucking classic John. We get a DC news and he's like, "Fuck, I'm, I'm out of here." here. <laughs> <laughs> Shit the bed. Was that just me? Yeah, it was just you, bro. Are you back? Oh man, he's back. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. I thought I pissed you off because I said I did want Earth Two Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> Oh, shit. I got one more email here. I forgot about this one. It comes from TFS706. Oh, okay. Do you remember TFS706? Absolutely. Yeah. He says, I need to go to Off Mic Producer. (laughs) (laughs) He says, uh, actually, uh, me and TFS706, we kissed and made up. That's good. That's good. He sends us an email. Hey, man, I was just wondering if you had, if you had listened to Fat Man on Batman episode 126. And uh, I read that and... Uh, let me, I'll just read the email. He says, I know that you are a Kevin Smith fan, but also that you hate how he directs the YouTube show constantly and how it is super annoying on the podcast version, probably on the YouTube version as well. That was not me. That was actually Scott Schutte, the email that I read per- previously. He actually sent me an email about how he hates that. Okay. Um, I have not watched any of Kevin Smith on YouTube or any of his shows. I just listened to him on podcasts. He says, your theory on the progression of who was going to be Zoom really made a lot of sense to me. So I was just curious if you had heard it. And if so, what Teddy Sears had to say changed your mind at all. Teddy Sears is the actor that played Jay Garrick yeah. in the Flash TV series. Um, I had not listened to the episode, but you know what? Since I am an off-mic producer with nothing else to do, (laughs) I downloaded the episode and gave it a listen, and it sounded like from Teddy Sears that all along, all season long, they had planned on him being Zoom. Okay. Um, He actually mentioned that IMDB, one of the people at um, you know Warner Brothers or somebody within the CW leaked on IMDb before they caught it that his character was going to be uh, it said like Hunter Zolomon or it said Jay Garrick slash Zoom. Mm-hmm. So they put it on IMDb. Oh wow! For like one day that he was going to be Zoom. Somebody caught it and said, "Take that fucking off of there." Yeah. I, on the other hand, in a previous episode, thought that. His reveal of Zoom was reactionary writing. Oh, okay. That a lot of fans were guessing that it was Barry's father, played by John Wesley Shipp. And so, oh, we can't do that now. People are guessing it. It was reactionary writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I still believe that there is reactionary writing in TV shows. 
But if I'm to believe Teddy Sears on this, I guess they had it planned all along that he was going to be the villain. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say I, I, I kind of agree with you on that. And I, and I think it's not far-fetched to say any TV series can't just change their, their story in midstream. Mm-hmm. They can. Yeah. They have the time to do it. So uh, I, I uh, yeah, it was kind of surprised to me that he was Zoom. And I, I also thought it was flat. Uh, I thought it was his father, Doppelganger, yeah. something, something yeah. to that effect. So I don't know. I don't know who to believe on that one. But. Aaron, uh, do you watch Flash? Uh, I saw the first episode. <laughs> John, do you watch Flash? Oh, yeah. I love it. I, that's the only show that I've kept up with since the beginning. I've dropped off everything else. Hmm. Did you – I mean, what, what, what are you thinking? Did, did you think it was reactionary writing or did you from the get-go, like once they did the reveal, did you think like back to like the original Hunter Zolomon scene and, and think to yourself, okay, yeah, they had this going from the beginning of the season. This makes sense. Well, when I saw that Hunter Zolomon scene, I knew he was going to be Zoom. Hmm, but okay. then what, what, when you were explaining like why you thought it was reactionary writing, I also uh, – like I agreed with points that you made there too. But yeah. for me personally, like as soon as they did that Hunter Zolomon thing, I knew that he was going to be Zoom. Mm-hmm. No, and you're right. It makes sense now. Like if you go back and watch like the season from the beginning and you see the scene of him on the bench and you see the scene of him like snapping pictures at Barry – it all makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I did think it was reactionary writing, and I, I am probably wrong in in that. But I, I don't think I was alone in thinking that. So, all right, guys, let's finally get to the DC news. Uh, guys, Alfred is always offering up sage advice to Batman, and sometimes it makes Batman see the error in his ways. And it looks like Jeremy Irons, the actor who plays Alfred in the DCU, had this to say about Batman v Superman when he talked to Event a Magazine about the film receiving poor reviews. Quote, deservedly so. I mean, it took $800 million, so the kicking didn't matter, but it was sort of overstuffed. It was very muddled. I think the next one will be simpler. The script is certainly a lot smaller. It's more linear. Now, I don't know if he's talking about the Justice League film uh-huh. or if he's talking about the Batman solo film that's being uh, done by uh, Jeff Johns, that's being penned by Jeff Johns and uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. But uh, even Jeremy Irons is saying Batman v Superman, kind of muddled and mm. overstuffed. And he's saying this next one is going to be a lot simpler story. I don't know if it's Justice League. I highly doubt it. I think he's talking about the Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my guess. But um, guys, what do you? I don't know. I mean, John, I know you loved Batman v Superman. Am I correct? <laughs> I loved parts <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> All right, get, let's get get it out there. Get it out there. Talk to me. Uh, I mean, what he's saying makes a lot of sense. He's not lying about anything, and I think that's kind of shitty that people hold actors to, like, hold the movies that they were in on such high, you know, like on a pedestal, when if it sucked, it sucked. And I agree with what he's saying because I really did only enjoy the Batman stuff in Dawn of Justice. So everything else was, yeah, it was kind of shitty. Uh, You didn't like the Jolly Rancher scene. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) (laughs) 
That shit was so creepy. Did anyone like the Jolly Rancher scene? Jake. <laughs> yeah, Jake did. Oddly enough. Yeah, that's fucked Jake up. Jake left the recording yeah. and went out and bought a fucking bag of Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> Next week he showed up with them. He's fucking shoving them in my, me and Jay's mouth all episode. It was fucking weird. <laughs> it's like, Jake, stop it. Knock it off. Creepy fuck. <laughs> what? What do you guys think that was supposed to, sh- like, show in his character? I always wonder that. Like, whenever I think about that scene, I'm like, were we, was that supposed to make him seem evil? Yes. Or- yes. You're supposed to not like him. Yeah, because <laughs> c- certain movies, they do certain, certain characters have tics that annoy you. And that makes you not like the character. Um, if you watch Fantastic Four, like, not the main villain of Doom, but the guy that was like holding the Fantastic Four, and I'm talking about the new film that came out, the guy that's holding them in that facility, the entire movie, this guy is chewing on his gum. Yeah. The entire time, just smacking his lips, and he's doing that annoying gum chewing, and you hate him for that reason. Mm-hmm. It's like the littlest thing in a movie can make you hate someone. Like, I'm sitting there watching this movie, and this guy's smacking his lips and chomping on this goddamn gum, and I just want fucking Human Torch to incinerate this son of a bitch. <laughs> because it's it's fucking annoying. And I think the same thing they're trying to pull off with this scene with like the whole the Jolly Rancher. <laughs> Does that make you know you not even sh- need that scene for that? I know. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, true. Wig. That wig was so bad. And then it wasn't even. Okay, Frank. <laughs> no, come on. That was a clear wig, right? I, we yeah. all know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like in the end, I thought, oh, he's going to be bald and he's just embarrassed of it. No, no. He, he actually just shaved his head later. So I was like, <laughs> That's just bad costume design. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I enjoyed that Jeremy Irons came out and said that because, like, I'm with John. I think actors should be allowed to voice their opinion on a film if they don't like what they start in. Because, you know, they, they're they not seeing the end result. They're, all they can do is do their best acting in front of the camera. Yeah. Once it's cut... Uh, they, they should be able to say whatever they want. Yeah, you, well, you don't want to lose your credibility and talk about like how this movie was amazing when you yourself don't believe it. I think I respect the man because he didn't lose his credibility. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's 100% right. <laughs> um, maybe a little understated by saying it's a little jumbled or whatever because that movie's a mess. It doesn't <laughs> – it makes no sense from start to finish. Gosh, that movie got passed around more than fucking Lindsay Lohan at a cocaine party. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, Harmon, you didn't even watch this fucking movie. You were like, you were boycotting this shit, weren't you? I, I wouldn't even say that it was boycotting, but this movie had zero interest out of me. Like, of like, uh, there's a little matinee theater by me that does like two dollar movies, and when it finally goes there, I might go see it. But I, it, there just wasn't enough draw to get me to pay the. Twelve dollars to sit down and watch it, Harmon. I want you to. I want. I want to see the Vine video of you showing up to that theater and sliding the attendant eight quarters <laughs> <laughs> to watch this movie. I want to see that. <laughs> will do. If you do not do that, I will be upset at you, sir. <laughs> I will pay in quarters for this fucking movie. <laughs> And I don't even know if two dollars is like a good price at this point from all the the mixed reviews I've heard. Just YouTube the the one Batman warehouse scene, and then you've seen the, all the good parts of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, re- there's a report from Deadline. It came out. It says Warner Brothers has found its director for its feature, The Flash, starring Ezra Miller. The studio has chosen Rick. 
Famuyiwa and the up the up and coming director who on the feature front most most recently helmed the Sundance pick Dope, mm. which he scripted. He will step in and direct the film that Warner Brothers has slotted for release on March. 16th 2018 Miller is starring uh, star making mo- is in star making mode at the studio in the Harry Potter spin-off Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and also had a cameo in Batman v Superman uh, Dawn of Justice and will appear in the Justice League Part 1 The Flash script is written by Seth Graham Smith who originally was going to make his helming debut, but exited the project over creative differences. Graham Smith's take on the iconic DC Entertainment superhero is based on a treatment by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, the Lego movie duo that once expected to helm the picture. And that, uh, that's, of course, before they left to go do the Han Solo movie. Yeah. Um, what do you guys have any of – am I the only one that's seen Dope? I think so. Yeah, can I make a confession? I didn't even know there was a movie called Dope. <laughs> so I I looked at like five different articles and they all just said dope director so and so and I was like damn this guy must be really fucking cool because everyone is saying that he's a dope director. <laughs> That's the only word that every outlet could come up for this guy. <laughs> he is so dope. I, you know what I wonder is it a did you guys see the the picture that came out of um Ezra Miller in the Flash costume, sans mustache. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think it's a coincidence that Seth Graham Smith left and that fucking mustache went with him? <laughs> it Happy coincidence. Like, it didn't have any place. Like, you should, if you're going to have a mustache, I, I don't know, and wear, like, you know, a, a, a cowl like he wears, it just doesn't go together. It's a shitty mustache on top of that. Yeah. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> it was like that, uh, it was like that pencil thin Matt Dillon, uh, there's something about Mary mustache. Pierre kind of looking, what it, yeah. What, it looked to me like every kid in like middle school and high school trying to grow their mustache, they just stop, don't shave ever and it's like this little tiny like, um, what's the dad from, um, the Adams family. It's like <laughs> Gomez. Yeah. Gomez. <laughs> it's it, terrible. Well, it's almost like uh yeah, like they they take their mom's eyeliner to darken it up. <laughs> now, Brian, did you like Dope? I really wanted to see it and now it's on Netflix, I think, so I think I'm going to check it out. Too. I loved Dope. Dope was a lot of fun. Um Dope was uh and I think this was a great director. Uh, for this, uh, he directed these young actors and this, this kid was like, kind of like living in like, uh, and this came like hot off the heels of like straight out of Compton coming out in theaters and shit too. Mm-hmm. And you've got like this kid who's like being raised around like the same kind of like area, kind of like a Compton where there's like all these gangs, but like this kid is a geeky kid mm-hmm. and he gets mixed up in all these gangs. So it's like, it's really kind of like a funny movie. Um, and it, it's, it's a coming of age movie in like this setting and I think like he'll be able to direct a young actor like Ezra Miller really well and I think we'll get to see kind of like a you know like an awkward geeky side of like you know Ezra Miller's Flash too um so nice. I, I think this I think it's a great choice for a director and um uh, I I think I, I I either high tasted or Tupperware dope I think I Tupperware it I really really like that movie it's really good yeah, I'm gonna. That's ha- awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that too. Yeah, yeah, that is on Netflix right now, I believe. So yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, all I think of yeah, go ahead. Ezra Miller is uh, his his character in um, Trainwreck. Trainwreck. Yeah, because that, that was <laughs> I don't. It's a really weird character, and that, that's all I'll ever think of with him. It's hard to get that out of my head. Well, I like that character. I thought it was funny, but I know Harmon. You probably remember him, and I remember him mostly for his work in the the perks of uh, being a wallflower. That's what I was just going to say. And he was fantastic in that role. Oh, he was one of the best parts in that movie. I mean, him and, uh, was it Shailene Woodley? Or, no, that was uh, Emma Watson. Emma, Emma Watson. Watson. They had great chemistry on the screen. And if he can find, depending on who they cast alongside of him in the Flash movie, if they can get someone with a similar chemistry out of him, it's, I would be excited to see that movie. Yeah, they're not no, getting they're no. not getting Emma Watson. I can tell you that much with her Beauty and the Beast movie. Yeah. Jesus exactly. Christ, she's getting that Disney money. She's good. <laughs> well, did you guys see that 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 trailer? I how, didn't see how that. many views that that teaser trailer got. Mm-mm. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and within 24 hours, Star Wars: The Force Awakens comes out. It gets 88.1 million views. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and that was like the number one trailer of all time. Beauty and the Beast teaser trailer comes out. 91 million views in 24 hours. Fuck. Beats out Jeez, Star Wars. shit. Yeah, beats out Star Wars The Force Awakens. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Is that, do you think it's just because of Emma Watson or do you think it's just the, the idea of Beauty and the Beast? I think it has a lot to do with her being a big, big star in the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah. Got a lot of Harry Potter fans out there. Uh, you got a lot of Emma, like Watson perverts out there. True. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then you've got a lot of people over in the UK mm-hmm. that, that, that are, that are fans of her. So yeah. I think, uh, I think it's kind of like, it's, it's, a, it's like the perfect storm. You've got perverts, Disney and, <laughs> and Harry Potter fans. <laughs> they all go hand in hand. Yeah. They all go hand in hand. Yeah. So. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Perfect storm. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, um, look, I, I'm looking forward to the. I'm still kind of looking forward to the Flash movie now that Seth Graham Smith is out of there. Yeah, a little better news on that. Yeah. yeah, and I like this director, so I'm I'm willing to give it a chance, and I hope that Jeff Johns is able to get like his uh, footprint, his imprint on this movie now that he's like the Kevin Feige of yes. that fucking universe. Yes. Uh, news out of Heroic Hollywood about the Batman solo film. If you're not familiar with Heroic Hollywood, that's uh, El Miambe split up from, uh, he he went off and did his own thing from uh, Latino Review. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's a reliable source. Uh, during the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice press tour, Affleck was asked by Sinus Argentinos about his upcoming standalone movie and whether or not he would be utilizing classic Batman stories in his film such as A Death in the Family, The Killing Joke, and Under the Red Hood. Affleck responded to the interviewer, I think what I would do, what I probably would do, is in some ways what Zack did with his movie, which is to borrow certain things from great comic books but create an original story around it because I wouldn't want the fans to already know the story and be familiar, but I would borrow, steal great things that have been done before in the comics. My question to you guys is, do these statements from Ben Affleck make you confident in the Batman solo film? No. <laughs> we got a no from Aaron. <laughs> he just basically said, I'm going to do what Zack Snyder did and take... 
things from awesome comics and then fuck them all up because that's what I mean. Zack Snyder didn't take anything and make it better. It, he took basically, you know, uh, Dark Knight Returns or whatever, and then just shit all over it and added horrible stuff. So. We are talking about <laughs> Ben Affleck though, who is, in my opinion, a fantastic director. Uh, when you look at movies like Argo and The Town, mm-hmm. John, what are you thinking, man? This is kind of like what I already thought would happen because there's no way. I mean, it's very rare that they're going to adapt something from the stories, like beat for straight to the movie. So him saying that, that's fine. And I think as long as it's like tastefully and respectfully done, I don't have a problem with it. But I hope he does include elements that I'm really looking forward to. Like I, I need to know more about Jason Todd and the death of you know that Robin, and it. It, you know, I haven't heard any news about it or anything, but I just want to see the fucking introduction of the Court of Owls already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we're getting that in Gotham next season. Yeah, John. yeah. That show is hot garbage. Harmon, I mean, are you, uh, would you watch a – would you slide eight quarters to the attendant at this fucking theater to watch a solo Batman film? See, I think if Affleck directs it, there's a chance it's going to be a lot better than a Snyder movie. Uh, it all depends on what story elements he ends up pulling from. And I would prefer to see... So, it's hard, because I want to see an original story, but if they do a straight-up original story that's not tied to the comics, they're going to get backlash from comic book fans who are like, oh, why didn't they do this storyline, or why didn't they do that storyline? Mm-hmm. And if they did a direct comic book adaptation, you're going to get, oh, they're just redoing the same story again. Well, that, so it's a, it's a rough line for them to yeah. walk. Well, I mean, okay, well, let's – we already know what they're going to do. I mean, ben, ben just told us. He's saying, I'm taking – I'm going to borrow things from great comic books, and but I'm going to create an original story around it. He's basically saying, I'm going to do what Zack Snyder did. But, I mean, can he do that without fucking it up? I mean, I personally think, yes, he can do it without fucking it up. Um, I think that, I think, like, but but I'm, what, what I'm worried about is, like, like, John, you said something about, you know, I want to know more about Jason Todd. So, I mean, okay, okay, if that's, that's what they're doing, we're getting under the Red Hood. Yeah. We're getting under the Red Hood. <clears throat> is that going to be, is this going to be, like, a prequel movie then? If we're if we're going that route, because I like that idea, I like the under the red hood storyline. I think it's fantastic, and I think yes, I want to know more about that Robin too. Mm-hmm. But is like is is I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, man. I was just gonna say I've always kind of thought like, uh, although th- it's never been said, I feel like these Batman movies kind of have to take place before dawn of justice like what's going to happen in suicide squad i'm pretty sure is going to be like a flashback to before dawn of justice and i think that the maybe like the next movie also might be a prequel just to explain or hopefully to explain like how he got to where he was in batman v superman mm-hmm. I oh agree. you mean a murderer like just being a blatant <laughs> murderer <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. I, I don't think that there's any way that they can really continue his story without being in the Justice League. So any movie that they're going to do that's just Batman-centric has to be without the Justice League. Otherwise, it's like, 
why wouldn't you just call the Justice League if you're having an issue in Gotham? Well, you know? they, they've they've mm-hmm. had the same problem in the Marvel movies. They have, yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, which is why we're getting team up movies now. But like in Iron Man three, I mean, we didn't have Thor showing up. We didn't yeah. have Cap showing it's like, up. Give him a call, you know. <laughs> just give him a fucking call, and they'll be there. Yeah, but I mean, just like in the comic books, it's the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. in the comic books, like I can read the Justice League, or I can read like. I can read Iron Man or I can read Batman. And when I'm reading Batman, you know, Superman's not showing up in every issue. True, true, true. But it doesn't, It like, I think even in the Batman comic books, to me, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're even there most of the time. And for them to do this properly and trying to make this a more grounded thing than what Marvel's doing, I think they have to have a Batman's... uh, Maybe even a trilogy that does not involve the Justice League whatsoever. For him to exist and be effective in Gotham and for his story to really shine, I don't think, I don't think they have to, I don't think they need to exist. So I think a prequel route will be the way he's probably going to go too. I don't know. Aaron, you don't sound confident at all. You're just like, man. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I like Ben Affleck, and I like him as Batman and Bruce Wayne, personally. I mean, the voice was kind of dumb, but it's a dumber. Uh, it's less dumb than one guy trying to change his voice, you know, so people don't, especially a famous person like Bruce Wayne. So I get it. Like, I was okay with that, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I just didn't like that comment of saying, like, Zack Snyder did anything good because he didn't. That movie was not that was, was what he did with that story was not okay. I mean, I guess he didn't write it, but he allowed yeah. it to be the movie. Yeah, Goyer. I mean, Goyer. Goyer did write it, and uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 I like. I tasted the movie, and I, I'll still give it a taste. It. Um, I liked it for what it was. I liked it for what it got right. But then, man, I really hated it for the things that it got wrong. And there was a lot <laughs> wrong with it, but there were some things that were right in it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those uh, movies that unfortunately was not universally loved. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I, I think that, uh, I think with Jeff Johns penning the script with mm-hmm. Affleck and then Affleck directing this, I think this is going to, um, I think this is going to be a good Batman movie. Ben Affleck just has to sell me on being Bruce Wayne. I don't want to see Bruce Wayne sleeping with rando chicks Mm -hmm. and drinking that's not what i want to see and he can take those guns and shove them up his ass (laughs) (laughs) i'm serious we need to fucking yeah i mean you need to i don't know send out he needs to send out some offensive tweets to the nra or something (laughs) to get me back on board with this batman because i don't want to see batman punisher so do you think that he'll lend Jeff Johns the bat suit so he can write the film in the bat suit as well? <laughs> Jeez. Oh yeah, that that'd be, that'd be great. No, I think Jeff Johns will just buy like he'll he'll just like buy a store bought costume. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that any any I don't think that Affleck's gonna give that costume away to anybody. Oh hell no, no. So. <laughs> How do you pee in that thing? <laughs> yeah, I think you just go, what man. What if Batman has to pee? 
He wears a diaper, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. I think most of us are pretty excited for the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, Aaron and Harmon, I don't know what you guys think. I'm not even going to ask John. I know he's probably itching to see oh, this God. movie. <laughs> but you know, John's ready for it. He, he's been, yeah, he's been hype, hyping it every every trailer. He's more hype. <laughs> so, Aaron, Aaron and Har- cake, though. What's that, John? I was saying that first trailer though like takes the cake. I I, I actually I loved both of them. Um, Aaron uh, Harmon, what did you guys think about those the Suicide Squad trailers? Well, I really liked both of them. Uh, I thought they relied on the music too much for the second one. Like you know that was a cool gimmick for the first trailer and it worked really well, but I didn't need it on the second. Aaron Aaron movie. noticed way too many. Uh, oh, what were they called? Two shots in the, <laughs> in, the, in the second one. <laughs> Well, no, I actually, I'm warming up to this Joker via these trailers. I don't, I never thought I would, but uh, I think, you know, I mean, Jared Leto's a a fantastic actor, so I knew he'd probably be able to win me back, but every trailer, I just, I see more of him that I like, less of the tattoos, so I guess that's why. Harmon, are you excited? Harmon, are you holding on to your quarters? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I might actually spend the full $12 and go see this one when it comes out. Uh, I definitely like the look of most of the characters. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the tattooed Joker look. That uh that definitely put me off a bit. Um, because I like my Joker to be more like Nicholson's, where he was that classy old school gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know everything else that I've seen so far, it's gotten me excited. I think Margot Robbie's going to be a great Harley. Uh, I mean I'm excited to see how all the other characters play out. So I'm definitely. This movie's getting more than two dollars. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would have loved to see Harley in her, you know, animated series costume, like her actual Harlequin costume. But that would have been know. so nice. Yeah. Oh, you they, guys are I nuts. Saw, <laughs> you guys are fucking I saw, crazy. I saw an article that said she tried out every look. They tried every one of uh, Harley's looks, and yeah. that they stuck with this one because it was the most natural, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see. I hope it. that someday we get like that test footage of Margot Robbie in the different <laughs> Harley outfits. I bet you do. Like if that, was, if that was like a bonus on the Blu-ray, I'd be oof. Guys, I'd be happy. I got a question for you. Like in the original, we, in the original suit, does she actually have like the little bells hanging off? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, if they're ever trying to do like a, a mission, like a, a mission where they need to keep, be quiet, and you got these fucking bells going off the entire time. <laughs> No, you put like little fuzzy sock things over oh, them. God. And just like them. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm hearing. Your... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just at your stealth mode. You just put little little fuzzy like covers over them. <laughs> uh, we're hearing. I mean, we're hearing that they're doing some reshoots. We've talked about this in a previous episode. They're doing some reshoots for the film, um, but the question still remains. Who is the main villain in the Suicide Squad? And guys, no, it is not the Joker. Mm -hmm. So uh, who is the main villain? Uh, Director David Ayer, he talked with Total Film Magazine and dropped these hints. He didn't give any names, but he did point out the main villain's henchmen in the film are the uh, are, are the strange guys that you see in the in in the trailer that have with the shiny eyeball heads uh-huh. uh, that we've seen? They are called quote the eyes of the adversary. Um, as far as I know, these guys are not in the comics, and and if they are, they don't go by the name eyes of the adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, Suicide Squad producer Charles Roven had this to say about the eyes of the adversary. 
Uh, let's just say when they're called in to do this mission by Amanda Waller, these are one of the things they encounter. They don't know how they got here, but they're weird and dangerous, and yet they're wearing military uniforms. So eyeball-looking dudes wearing military uniforms. Um, I don't know. This doesn't give away anything to me, and it doesn't tell me who the fuck they work for. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, we we still don't we still don't know who Common's character is, right? Do they work for like lens crafters or something? <laughs> yeah. Or like, or like an optometrist? Yeah. I mean, is it like, like an evil optometrist in the fucking Batman universe Not, that I don't know about? Yeah, nothing like screams eyes to me. Like, no villain necessarily is yeah. screaming like eyes, eyes of the adversary. I have no clue. Yeah, I don't know. Have any of you guys seen Freaks? That uh, movie that came out in the nineties. Uh, about, like circus freaks. It was an old cheesy like kind of uh, horror comedy movie, but it had these two uh, eyeballs that were Rastafarian. <laughs> they would always say Rastafari's. <laughs> there's, there's there's like one listener out there that got yeah. <laughs> five star episode. Don't laugh at my own joke. <laughs> Rastafari's. Yeah, I can't I can't think of I mean there there's definitely yeah. rumors that the tattoo man's gonna be in this, but what does that have to do with eyes of the adversary? Yeah. I doesn't scream that to me, so I I, I was thinking I was in the camp that was thinking the the one of the the villain the main villain is actually going to be a member of the team and uh-huh. it, it, it was going to be revealed that it was enchantress yes but i don't know if that's even plausible now well we have seen a lot of like ritualistic stuff um either in pictures or in sh- very very quick clips in the trailers so that it almost seems like yeah it almost seems like she is like she does have something to do with the, yeah. being the protagonist and we don't see a lot of her with the team themselves mm. so that's that that would be a good guess too yeah yeah eyes of the adversary i'm with aaron i think it's going to be the rastafari eyes <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get loads of laughs <laughs> john who do you think it's going to do you have any clue or are you just fucking as stumped as we are yeah and i kind of like that i like not knowing uh, but yeah, I don't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, did I, you guys see that? Uh, that we might get to see like Jared Leto's Joker before the movie in a music video. Oh yeah, Skrillex, some kind of Skrillex yeah, video. And, and uh, Rick oh yeah, Ross. I'll, I'll yeah. for sure skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big dubstep guy myself, so. <laughs> so he's in a music oh, video, yeah, as the Joker, yeah. Yeah, he was posting pictures on his Twitter of him, like, dressed up on his way there. Yeah. Mm. Hashtag sellout. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he sold out a while ago. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, we'll see him. Oh, man, I want to see, uh, I want to fucking see, uh, Popstar so bad. I was, I was going to go see it yesterday, but I haven't seen it. The, the mm-hmm. Andy Samberg movie. Oh, yeah, that, that's I'm probably so pretty excited. Funny. It looks pretty funny. Yeah. What was it like? They were talking about one like his his manager said something about uh, ten seconds, and then he goes, "That's a third of the way to Mars." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's like he's like that's not real. That's just the name of the band, Thirty Seconds to Mars. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I love the Lonely Island. Like I loved uh, Hot Rod, and you know that was their first movie. Yeah. Uh, and I love everything they do. So yeah. I wasn't a fan of Hot Rod, but um, this movie looks hilarious, and uh, it's got like a. Last time I checked, it had like a. It was fresh. It was like seventy nine, seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a comedy is. 
pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, comedies are always low on Rotten because yeah. I mean, it's subjective. Yeah, exactly. So um, I did uh, find out that there are reactions to the Suicide Squad test screenings that are going on out there. Um, I don't know how reliable these are because they do come from Reddit. This first Reddit user said, this was an advanced screening where we didn't know what the movie was. Initially, I thought it was Star Trek or uh, Jason Bourne um, until the non-disclosure agreement said Warner Brothers on it. I will tell you there was no standing ovation, but a decent amount of people clapped in the end. In fact, when they first told us we were going to see a screening of the movie, pretty much the whole theater cheered and screamed. At the end, probably only half clapped, which doesn't mean the other half didn't like it, but if this was like a Thursday night showing with fanboys, I have no doubt it would have been a much bigger applause. This is an unfinished cut. There were lots that I really liked good action pacing for the most part. But as I've seen, but as I've said, there were two characters who had a decent sized role in the plot story that did not connect with me. I could care less about them. Hmm. They tried for an emotional scene and yeah, didn't work. But yes, walking out, I've heard a few people raving about it and a few just good or pretty good. The person I was sitting next to came with his family and he didn't even know the movie after they announced it. And he said it was okay. Hmm. I didn't stick around to hear if anyone had anything bad to say. Um, another user from Reddit said, You will like every single member of the squad, with Harley obviously stealing the show. She's a star and everyone will love her. This is the type of movie that demands a sequel. I'm sure critics will find ways to hate it. It's basically a gritty action movie with comic book characters and a hot topic aesthetic. Hmm which honestly might turn critics off. But DC fans will like it. The big thing is that the movie literally saves DCEU Batman. This Batman is Batman the Animated Series personified. Wow. That's hmm. cool. Oof. Did I just hear John get a boner? <laughs> I think you just heard me get a boner. My Batman. Honestly, I think I heard Jay and John's boners docking. <laughs> Worlds collided right there. <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. Whew. If it's true or not, I don't know, but that was exciting to hear. <laughs> so, yeah. It well, looked, he, go ahead. He looks really skin, like a lot skinnier in Suicide Squad. In the, at least the little mm-hmm. piece of footage we saw, he like was diving in the water and he was like way thinner than yeah. what we saw in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Colon Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, it's, well, we all know that we've, we've all pretty much like guessed that this is gonna be like a flashback scene to an mm. earlier Batman. Um, I so, mean, it has to be because he's saving Harley before yeah. she is Harley. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, he just gained a bunch of weight, you know, once he turned 40 or whatever. So <laughs> All right, he went to his he went to his, he has testosterone checked and now his doctors give him giving him HGH. <laughs> well, we saw him working out, man. He's swole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh swole. yeah, we got that montage of him flipping tires over and beating him with hammers. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I liked it too. That was the dumbest. <laughs> I liked it. It's fun for a Rocky movie. <laughs> That was fucking ridiculous. I just would have loved it if Alfred was like, you know that's not how you fix a tire. And he's like, seriously? <laughs> I'm going to hammer 
recording this thing for four hours. <laughs> I, I want to see, like, once that movie comes out, I want somebody to take that fucking clip and then mix in, you're the best <laughs> around, and nothing's going to ever keep you down. <laughs> yes, I want to see that, too. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to take uh, our final break and then come back with Star Wars news. Does anybody need to hop off now? I actually think I'm going to hop off now. Okay, Harmon, you have been with us since the beginning of the episode. you got to hop off. Thank you so much for being on the show with us this week, dude. You're a fucking lifesaver. It was great talking turtles with you, and I hope you come back in, in the future. I hope you come back sooner than fucking um, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, Oh, definitely. I'm sure when uh, the Squirrel Girl movie gets announced, I'll be on to <laughs> discuss the finer details of Doreen with you. Harmon, I'm going to miss talking to you. I'm never going to hear from you again. <laughs> Apparently is what you're saying. <laughs> That's basically Harmon's way of saying goodbye forever. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's been a whole lot of fun talking with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's been nice talking with John and Aaron, too. I haven't got to talk you with with you before, so this has been yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, good to finally you. hear your voice, my man. Oh, and yours is sweeter in person than I uh, could have imagined. Gosh, we got two. We got uh, a, we're gonna go. We got a go different back. set of dockers going on right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Docking bay uh, 94. 94. I, just, I wonder if you were supposed to make like airlock noises when you dock. <laughs> oh yeah, we're I would assume so. <laughs> I thought it already did it naturally. <laughs> All just right. have the little soundboard app on your phone. <laughs> usually, you know, usually when I'm done talking with a guest, I'll be like, "Hey, so uh, how, how can they find you, uh, Harmon? You, you, you're not involved in a podcast. You, you're, you're not. I mean, people can follow you on Twitter, though. They sure can. Uh, you know, I'm. I guess I'm kind of like Pee Wee Herman. I'm a loner, you know, a rebel. You ma- hold on. Tied to me. You masturbate in theaters. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody? <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Jake Harm. You can also follow. Whoa, me whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, hey, hey, yo, um, yo, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, slow down. Uh, you yeah. you started turning into a robot there, Megatron. <laughs> Give us, give us. How can people follow you on Twitter? All right, my uh, my handle is uh, at Jake Harms. J A K E H A R M Z. And uh, if you add Jake Harms beard, that's uh, my sentient beards Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that, I love how that got fucking created on the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm on Facebook too. Just search for Jacob Harmon, and uh, I'm on there. Jacob, uh, Jacob Harmon, it's been so so much fun having you on the show, dude. We'll have to have you on again. It, it's been awesome. So thanks a lot, man. Hey, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, turtle power. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, by the way, yeah. uh, you guys can just follow my grandma's Twitter. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> She's always tweeting. <laughs> at, pretty funny. She, she likes to blue put hits up. So. <laughs> At blue haired Miller. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be, favorite that account. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, Star Wars news. <laughs> All right, hey, we are back. It is time for Star Wars news. 
What are Misa saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> All right, that was fun. <laughs> we don't hear anything, so it's just silence. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> yeah, we're just sitting here. I, I'm. I was trying to go through it in my head. To see if I could time it out. <laughs> there was nothing. You guys heard nothing on your end. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, not nope. any of the bumpers. No. Nope. Oh, wow, that's bizarre. Uh, guys, a media outlet called Page Six recently ran a story about Rogue One. Uh, that story said uh, one Hollywood source told us the execs at Disney are not happy with the movie, and Rogue One. We'll have to go back into four weeks of expensive reshoots in July. Uh, the source for page six went on to say Disney won't take a back seat and is demanding changes, and the movie is not testing well. So, guys, th- this is just the beginning of this story coming from page six. It doesn't stop there. This is uh, this is crazy. So we're gonna get to the bot. We're gonna try to get to the bottom of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, will there be reshoots for Rogue One? That's the big question. The answer is yes. There will be reshoots for Rogue One. How is this going to affect the film? Uh, I then went to makingstarwars.net for the answers, and here's what I found. Deadline has run a piece attempting to clarify a little of the news story going around since late last night about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, being in trouble. Since before this broke, we had heard that reshoots would be happening in June and July. There were rumblings of weird things going on and books and merchandise being pushed back to the DVD release because of revisions happening to the script. Deadline says, to clarify, there were no test screenings. And rather, a reshoot decision was made after Disney suits and producers watched the initial cut of the highly anticipated first spinoff. According to sources, the first cut was lacking the edge that Force Awakens had, and the story needs to gel. The film's December 16th release date will not be affected, according to one insider. And with Comic-Con fast approaching, hopefully the studio might be able to tease fans with at least a little something. I think that statement's bullshit. I don't think anything is going to come out of Comic-Con for Star Wars. They're going to reserve that for D23, their own fucking celebration. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They also said that there was no test screenings, uh, just like Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I really don't think this is anything new for fans to worry about. The concept is solid, and honestly, the concept would work would probably work in the lighter genres or the harsher ones. It's a good pitch, and I think they're just trying to find perfect balance between Edge and what we know Star Wars to be. MakingStarWars.net then had an article on how extensive the reshoots on the film would be. Since the weekend, there was a lot of dust kicked up on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. By late Sunday night, the news began to hit the gossip sites and trades alike. I reached out to several sources to find out exactly what was going on with Rogue One. When I asked a few crew members what was being reshot, they laughed and said, everything. Hmm. Of course, they were kidding, but from the sound of it, the shooting will be extensive. Here are the common themes in what people behind the scenes are saying. Some crew initially heard J.J. Abrams was supervising the reshoots. Okay, let me stop right there. This article is pretty fucking extreme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. 
Wow, they're saying J.J. Abrams supervised reshoots? That's how worried Disney is about Star Wars Rogue One, that they bring back J.J. Abrams to supervise these reshoots? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the sky is falling. Uh, Yeah, uh, Gareth Edwards, the director, is doing the reshoots himself, but with a partner, Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie is the final writer on Rogue One. He'll be working extensively with Edwards on set to make sure they're on the same page with the most recent draft of the film. Christopher McQuarrie's draft of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, was considered superior to the film they shot previously. Uh, If not Edwards' fault as McQuarrie's draft, uh, it was not Edwards' fault as McQuarrie's draft wasn't completed when much of the film was shot and revisions kept coming in that made the film feel uneven. They said 32 sets have been recreated for the reshoot. So they're saying that Pinewood Studios in London has recreated 32 sets for this reshoot. That's a they, lot. They also go on to say that the crew expects they re- – go ahead. That, oh, no. Just, that's a fucking crazy amount of sets to recreate. Yeah. But, I mean, they could all just be broken down and ready to be built back up. Who knows? The crew expects that they are reshooting 40% of the film. Mm, Fuck. They said they are working six days a week for eight weeks. Um, I I also was hearing from other outlets that Disney, the execs at Disney, wanted to use these reshoots to lighten the tone of the film and make it more similar to Star Wars A New Hope as well as adding a cameo of Alden Ehrenreich as young Han Solo. Okay. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> That's the perfect reaction. <laughs> it wouldn't even make sense no. in terms of where that is in, in you know, the canon. I agreed wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, like, who said the sky was falling? This makes it sound like the sky was falling. Uh-huh. Exactly, yeah. BankingStarWars.net went on to say, so that's the word on the reshoots going down. The vibe doesn't seem bad. It seems like they're making the movie right. When the movie began filming, there was a lot of talk that the budget had been greatly reduced slightly before shooting, meaning more CGI would be needed. Now it looks like the movie is going to cost what it was supposed to cost from the start. The quality of the film wasn't bad. It just needs to be better, and all involved are happy to make that happen. It is important to remember that this movie doesn't come out until December. If it were September and people were saying the movie was awful, we would be screwed and stuck with a bad film. That's not the case here. The reshoots were always part of the plan, but they're not, they're, but there are way more shots to be redone than they initially thought. I'm not that crazy about exec saying what works for films they tend they tend to turn out the same crap over and over again it doesn't sound like the situation is exactly that here it sounds like a pretty good situation where everyone wants to make the film better than it was as a star wars fan i'm pretty happy they care enough to make sure it's right guys making starwars.net that's not where the story ends that's like usually like when i go to and i'm not knocking making starwars.net okay they are usually a very trusted source, and I believe they had sources telling them these things, but this does not seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, w- it sounds like a lot of like doom and gloom when it's probably just what they were. I, what I heard was they just wanted to do some reshoots to to add more to the tone they were going for. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know. No, we'll we'll talk about it. Jay, what are you what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I mean, I I think they're blowing something out of proportion. I I think that yes, there are reshoots, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's for the reasons that they're stating here necessarily, or or as far fetched as saying other people are being brought on to, you know, revise what er- Edwards is already doing. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, the script probably wasn't yeah. finished, but that happens with a lot of movies. That's yeah. not just Star Wars. Well, we're hearing J.J. Abrams is being. I don't believe this. that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. We're hearing Christopher McQueen. He's coming into this. Who denied it? Yeah, he's denied. Well, we're going to talk about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it does seem very far fetched and and full blown. Yeah, but I want to get it straight that I'm not saying that makingstarwars.net is a bad source. They're they're a very trusted source, and I go to them for a lot of information. But uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, basically kind of had an article. Um, and we learned a lot from them about what's really going on, as well as Christopher McQuarrie himself, like you stated, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what Entertainment Weekly posted. After reaching out to uh, deeply placed sources on the movie and at Lucasfilm to sort fact from fiction, Entertainment Weekly has learned new details about the state of the project, including who's working on the new sequences and what those scenes involved. Here's what's true. The film, which is about Rebels stealing the plans for the first Death Star just before the events of 1977's original Star Wars, is undergoing four to five weeks of reshoots beginning this month and ending just days before the Star Wars Celebration fan event in London on July 15th. High-level sources at Lucasfilm speaking to Entertainment Weekly anonymously offered some details that place the schedule in context. Official studio sources declined comments, saying they don't respond to rumors. In what may reassure fans, reshoots were scheduled for the film before even a single scene was shot. Mm-hmm. It's standard practice now for large-scale films to build in additional weeks of shootings so filmmakers can tweak a movie after their first assembly cut. Those reshoots were originally planned for the spring, but were bumped to midsummer to allow for extra time as director Gareth Edwards and the creative team decided what they wanted to alter. The changes have everything to do with clarity and character development and all take place within scenes we've already shot, said one source on the project. They're not reshooting entire scenes. It sounds like they're just fleshing these characters out more in scenes that they're already confident about. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So uh, they say, in other words, the changes involve more intimate moments, not redoing entire battle sequences or plot lines. Quote, it's a lot of talking in cockpits, Mm -hmm. as one insider (laughs) described (laughs) the new footage. You could could just say that about Star Wars. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) The rumor that almost half of the movie is being reshot elicits both laughter and groans from the closest to the film. While it might seem like spin control from those working on the film, their logic bears out, quote, if we were rewriting the movie and reshooting 40% of the movie, we would not be finishing in August. Hmm. A source on the production says people really would be panicking and changing the release date. 
the length of the reshoots adds up because it involves separate contributions from many different actors. Rogue One is an ensemble story with seven major characters, including the outlaw Jyn Erso and her team of rebel infiltrators played by Diego Luna, Donnie Yen, Alan Tudyk, Riz Ahmed, Forrest Whitaker, and Wen Yang. Ben Mendelsohn co-stars in an imperi- as an Imperial officer, and Mads Mikkelsen uh, has said he plays Jin's father. Mm-hmm. A source familiar with the reshoots said one of the challenges has been reuniting the cast, many of whom are involved in other movies after the pre-planned reshoots were shifted from spring to summer. It is a complicated schedule trying to pull people in around other things they're doing, the source says, and this cast is spread out all over the world. Oh, did we just lose somebody? Yeah. Lost John, but that's okay. (laughs) He wasn't saying anything anyways. (laughs) We'll get him back. Uh, uh. Fuck. It's like, John, even though you left, it was like, it was like you never did. (laughs) It's like you were never here at all. Goddamn weather, man. Uh, let's see here. So, I mean, it, man, a lot of contradicting reports. I, I still have more, but I mean, a lot of contradicting reports, and it's funny how, like, the media blows these things up. Yeah. And, and and I'm sure that like you know makingstarwars.net did talk to their sources and their sources maybe believe this, but it doesn't sound like this is the case. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, a lot of people jump on this just for the clickbait. I mean, they they want to talk about Star Wars to get more people to go to their site. Oh, so. don't you dare call Star Making Star Wars. No, 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 no. Making Star Wars. I do. I do agree with you. I. <laughs> I've learned a lot from that fucking side, and I appreciate what they do. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're out necessarily for clickbait like some of, some of the entertainment websites that don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah. and have these crazy sources. So, But, yeah, I mean, you're talking to crew – even if Making Star Wars was talking to just crew members, those guys don't necessarily know the ins and outs of all that's being reshot. It took the crew members probably – you know, it took them weeks to confirm that the Darth Vader uh, suit was actually being built and they had seen it. So. Yeah, so I, I don't think I think they're a decent source, but I don't think they know exactly what's going on. And I think you're right. I think this is more. I think this is more of the intimate scenes. Like if you're going to reshoot something in the time period that they're talking about, you're not redoing forty percent of the movie in that time period. Mm-hmm. You're doing you're doing little set. And if it is thirty two sets, it's still little sets. If you're talking cockpits, that's that's quick. You know, so they're building them, taking apart, doing the scene, whatever. So. I, I I think that's probably closer to the truth. Why you know they could just do a George Lucas style and have no sets built and just be in a blue screen or green screen room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Build it all up. <laughs> just make it look so clean and beautiful. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> now, guys, we talked about Christopher McQuarrie being on set for the reshoots. He took the Twitter after reading all these reports, and he said, "Attention, bloggers! I'm reading some horseshit rumors tonight." You know where to find me. Do your jobs. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yes. And then he also issued a statement uh, with Slash Film that read, If there are any reshoots on Rogue One, I'm not supervising them. Mm. For any outlet to say so is not only wrong, it's irresponsible. Gareth Edwards is a talented filmmaker who deserves the benefit of the doubt. Making a film, let alone a Star Wars chapter, is hard enough without the internet trying to deliberately downgrade one year's one years of hard work. Mm. What does that even serve? Let him make his movie in peace. 
Um, then The Verge came out and said this about Macquarie. Macquarie himself called out sites for publishing inaccurate stories uh, without contacting him first for confirmation. And Gary Witta, who wrote the first drafts of Rogue One, called the Reddit called Reddit the front page of bullshit and imposters. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn, they came hard on the fucking yeah. paint. <laughs> Take that, internet. <laughs> most of the initial re- most of the initial reports also seem to miss the fact that reshoots on a movie this size and importance aren't just common, they're basically expected from first day of principal photography. Hmm. Only one only needs to look at The Force Awakens, which was taking care of reshoots and pickup shots in Los Angeles until just a few months before release, for a recent example. Uh, guys, I'm also reading that uh, from The Hollywood Reporter that the reshoots are being written by Tony Gilroy, who wrote the first three Born Identity movies, and uh, that some of the action that is being reshot... They're actually bringing in second unit director and veteran stunt coordinator Simon Crane, who's done work for Maleficent, World War Z, and this latest Jason Bourne movie that's coming out this summer. So it sounds like every report out there before Entertainment Weekly and The Verge got involved is incorrect. Hmm. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about with Rogue One. No, there have been no, as far as I know, there's been no test screenings yet. Mm -hmm. The Disney execs are not upset. Um, these reshoots are just commonplace. It's not 40% of the movie. Christopher McQuarrie is not involved. J.J. <laughs> right. Abrams is not coming out to do this. It's just, this is standard practice. And we've got, you know, we've got Tony Gilroy rewriting these shots. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Simon Crane in there. He's going to be a veteran stunt coordinator. And he's going to be acting as a second unit director and working along with Gareth uh, Edwards. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to worry about with Rogue One yet. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, it's in this day and age, it's so under the microscope and that everyone just jumps on this shit as soon as they hear something about reshoots. That never happened in the past and we always had reshoots. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's so in the microscope now that everyone's just willing to run with rumors when they pop up like this, especially for something, a lot of people want this to fail. There are people that want Rogue One to fail. They want this whole franchise to go to hell because they didn't like The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's people out there that are going to perpetuate this. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've kind of like, and I don't know about you, Aaron, or John, but like when you hear reshoots does that sound like a positive thing to you i mean for me when i've heard reshoots in the past i've always thought to myself oh man uh, they're doing reshoots because they they fucked up Mm -hmm. well i don't know man look at gladiator if you want to see a film that went through some crazy trouble and still came out fucking incredible look into the history of gladiator that movie had rewrites happening like well into production that script was rejected by the director like 12 times and he he ended up like making his own edits then the writer got mad and then they did reshoots like so it can be done and it can be still a good movie but, but then you also have fantastic four where they reshot and they had to give rooney mara or kate mara like the worst wig ever so it can, it can go either way mm-hmm. uh, i'm not necessarily buying into the you know the the sky is falling uh, narrative here, I think it from everything I've seen looks awesome, uh, mm-hmm. and I think the tone of the trailer seems spot on for what I want to see. So I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, as long as they're not really reshooting forty percent of the film, I think we're all right. 
It doesn't sound like they are. John, what do you think about, like, I, I don't even know your, like, your thoughts on, like, Star Wars films. Is this something you're even looking forward to? Where'd he go? Oh. I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. It's not, like, a an obsession of mine. But I am looking forward to it. And as far as, like, the reshoots thing goes, uh, I mean, I don't really know that much history behind which movies had, uh, like, successful reshoots or unsuccessful reshoots. So... To me, it doesn't mean much. I'm just going to hope that it's a good movie in the end. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like like when I hear reshoots in the past, like I've always been like, oh, okay, now I'm worried. I remember when uh, Thor The Dark World was getting reshoots and they brought in uh, – Alan Taylor had actually brought in uh, Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, okay – I viewed them, I viewed these reshoots as a good thing back then because I, I was really high on Joss Whedon at that time. Uh, this is, of course, before Age of Ultron. Yeah. And, and I still love Joss Whedon. I just feel like Joss Whedon kind of like, I don't know, screwed the pooch with Age of Ultron. But I was like, okay, these reshoots can be a good thing. If you got Joss Whedon coming in there to do these reshoots, uh, for Thor The Dark World, uh, it's going to make this movie very cohesive with the Marvel Universe. But, like, when you've got a report coming out from, like, page six and then making Star Wars saying that, well, we're, we got to fucking reshoot 40% of the movie, I think fans are going to be like, oh, no, what are we in for? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this going to be the fucking Star Wars movie that has it all fucking crumbling down? And can we expect this from the same problem when we get our Han Solo movie? Uh, is this going to affect Star Wars Episode Eight? Is this whole Star Wars thing going to come crashing down now? And I feel like – I don't feel like this is damage control. I feel like this is Entertainment Weekly and this is fucking Christopher McQuarrie and people that are in the know coming out and saying, well, you know what? You guys are – there's a lot of false information out there. Don't worry about this. Disney's got it under control. Fucking Gareth Edwards has got this under control. Fucking uh, Kathleen Kennedy's got this shit under control. Don't sweat it. You're going to love Rogue One, and that's what I'm getting out of this. Yeah. yeah. Brian, are you going to be pissed if you go and uh, see this and you see Jyn Erso for 10 minutes total in the film, like Godzilla? Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I, I have nothing to dispute that. I, you know what I mean? It's like it's like one of those things like Gareth Edwards might pull this again. I mean, she she might die, and then we might get introduced to like another female character. Yeah, true. <laughs> Just Let like, me, I, I've, I've been wanting to ask you guys this. Yeah, what do you think the implications are of her in her like empire outfit at the end of the trailer? Because it's this whole thing of Forrest, uh, yes. what's his name? Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker saying, uh, you know, what will you become? Mm-hmm. What right. will you do? Or whatever. And then she turns and she's got like the black outfit on. <clears throat> and they, you know, they're playing the Imperial March. Right. I, I don't know. I just wonder what it means. I think, I think it means daddy issues. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? No, yeah, yeah. Mads, sure. Mads, oh, Mik- Mads yes. Mikkelsen's character is basically rumored to be tied to the Empire at this yeah. time. Yeah. And I think he's worried about daddy issues. Like, you know, I mean, um, the more she finds out about her father, I mean, is there going to be a, is she going to have to, I, I think it just means daddy issues. Like, is she going to side with them? Um, the more she finds out, I mean, is she going to side with the Empire or is she going to stay strong to the resistance? Mm-hmm. The rebellion. Well, it's weird. It's weird too because we don't know her character at all, so she probably dies. I mean, 
or sure. turns mm-hmm. or turns coat, you know? I think it, like like I've always envisioned at the end of this movie everyone dying except for the droid played by Alan Tudyk's character and he's the one that passes on the plans of the Death Star to uh Mon Mothma. Uh-huh. Uh basically kind of like uh paying homage to every other Star Wars movie where R2D2 is the one that gives us the plans. I mean, we saw R2-D2 handing over the plans for the Death Star uh, to, you know what I mean? He had the file and yeah, trip, yeah. Yeah, within him. Mm-hmm. And then even in the last Star Wars movie, he had the missing piece of the the of the, the planet Octu and its location uh, hidden deep within him. And yep. I think like that's the way this movie should end is every character fucking dies mm-hmm. and you've got Alan Tudyk's fucking uh, robot, which is, uh, what is it, R2SO2... Uh, yeah, t- they, they're going to call him yeah, or uh, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's the one who's fucking K two S O. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, but he's the one that's uh, that's going to be uh, handing over the plans. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean for for them to call it Rogue One, it definitely has to imply that. I, I think it implies her her character taking a turn at some point, whether mm-hmm. that's towards the Empire or to the Rebellion. There's at some point where she takes a turn, and that's also why they show that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a hint. You know, so I, I think that's so. Are you saying she's going to start out as a gray character? Yes. And whether she goes full on fucking good guy or bad guy at the end of the movie, yeah, that's for us to wait and find out. Yeah, it could go either way for me with okay. her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just didn't really, like, I, I think I'm really excited to see her character because she seems like she's a really great actress. I haven't seen her in anything, but from what I've seen in the trailers, I'm super stoked. And then they've got Buddy from Bloodlines, who's awesome, and yeah. they've got my oh, boy yeah. Mads Mikkelsen, who's yeah. awesome, and Forrest Whitaker, who's also awesome. Yeah. So they've got a really great cast. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm not... I don't even think damage control will be the right word because there's no real damage here. And I agree with you there, Brian. I think what's happening is these people are pissed off that their names are getting thrown around like with no backup and they're just coming out. And that's why they're saying such horrible things like, fuck you guys, <laughs> you piece of shit, you know, like whatever they're saying. Yeah, M- McQuarrie's like, okay, if this were true, maybe I wouldn't say anything or issue a statement, but, like, he knows this is fucking bullshit, and so he's just going to come out and tell it like it fucking is. Like, mm-hmm. no, I am I have nothing to do with any of this. What the fuck are you guys even talking about? You guys are fucking, like, like little gossiping bitches. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Let fucking Gareth Edwards make his fucking movie. You, there's nothing not to like from the trailers that we've seen. And just just wait, just wait for this movie to fucking come out. You're gonna love it. It's got Ben Mendelsohn, like you said. It's got Forrest Whit- Whitaker and I, Aaron. I know you're a huge fan of fucking Mads Mikkelsen from Hannibal. I Fuck mean, yeah, dude, he's amazing. What's there to worry about? Just let the movie fucking come out. These reshoots are commonplace. We need to retrain fucking uh, people that hear the word reshoot. It's not always a negative fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So chill the fuck out. So I'm still looking forward to this movie. I'm not hitting the fucking panic button, and I don't think any of our listeners need to worry at this point. No. Um, so I, 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 I just just uh, just give it some time. We'll wait for the fucking movie to come out. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually most worried about the Han Solo solo film. Like I really don't want to see that. Oh man, Aaron, I mean, see, I, I, I would. It looks great. Yeah, I would agree with you, man. If it wasn't for Phil Lord and Christopher Miller being involved in this project, man, these guys do not sign on to anything unless they've got a fucking 
golden idea, man. They mm. they really don't. They, That's true. When they put their stamp on something, it, it's because they have they have an idea for this. And for these guys to leave the Flash movie to do this, I fully trust that they have a really really fun story in store for us for Han Solo because like these guys make fun movies. There's nothing that I've seen that these guys have made that's not fun. These these guys are not going to go Zack Snyder, Christopher Nolan dark with anything. <laughs> We're going to get a fun fucking Han Solo movie. I can understand maybe you having doubts about the actor Alden Ehrenreich. Um I mean, I I give him a taste it and I'm basing that off of one fucking performance that I've seen from this dude in fucking Hail Caesar. But he was the best part of that movie, so um, I'm. I, yeah, I've seen anything of him. That's yeah. My, my thing is like my only worry. I love uh, you know the the writers there. Um, I agree with you with them. Yeah. But I just worry because I don't think we need a Han Solo origin story or like early Han Solo, like you know, young Indiana Jones esque. Yeah. Han sure. Solo story, but let me throw they will this, make something fun. Let and me he's throw a good the, character for that. Sorry. No, you're fine. Let me throw this out there. Hi, I've loved Han Solo. I'm a huge Han Solo fan for the past fucking, you know, 30-some years. And uh, he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, what What can you do? As Jake would say, Han's dead. So, like, what? Han dies. Han dies, yeah. What can you do to make those fans happy again? Well, I mean, you're going to piss some people off because there are going to be people out there that are like, ah, nobody can replace Harrison Ford. And I get that. But on the flip side, I mean, I think they see something in this guy, and I think there is an audience out there that want to see those fucking moments of, like, Han meeting Chewbacca for the same time. Han sitting down at a card table and playing cards and winning the Falcon from Lando Calrissian. Mm -hmm. And some of these scenes that I think that they could play out really well. Now, if you had, like... If you told me that Seth Graham Smith was writing this movie, I would say, fuck you, fuck you, Disney. This is <laughs> bullshit. But if you're telling me that Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, they want to come on and do this, and they have an idea for this movie, these guys are lighthearted, they're fun, and I don't think they've ever put anything out there that's garbage. Mm -hmm. Even the movie that I did not like. I did not like Lego Movie. I am in the minority. Most people love that movie, and it blew the fuck up. They took a movie that people were saying, this cannot be done well. Legos. How are you going to do a movie on Legos? Basically, you're telling me, like, we're going to get a Tetris movie coming out in the next couple years or so they're making a tetris oh, movie aaron <laughs> yeah they're making a tetris movie and they're actually not making just one tetris movie they're making a trilogy of tetris movies Ugh. that is the equivalent what? to what yes a trilogy that's the equivalent of like what i heard when they said we're making a lego movie that's what i heard is they're basically making a tetris movie but if you tell me now that they're making a tetris movie and you've got phil lord and christopher miller involved well you know what now I'm kind of interested because it's like these guys don't sign on to anything unless they have fucking a solid idea that's going to succeed. Now, you know what? I mean, everybody starts off hot and they could come out with a fucking stinker. And that could be Han Solo, a Star Wars story for all I know. But for right now, there's nothing so far that's gotten me kind of like... Oh my, this movie's gonna be bullshit. But if, you, do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
Those guys don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, 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 you just reminded like I I was I wasn't even really thinking about that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were were attached, so that gives me a little bit of hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's it's you know what, Aaron, it's a wait and see is really what it is. I mean, I'm just Yeah, I'll wait for a trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's a wait and see. So, I mean, for all I, who knows. But we are going to end the show here. After I read one final email, and it's an email from Wilderness John. Nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> Leftovers. I first started listening to the podcast because of Daniel Hopner's emails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have been hooked ever since. I don't think anyone has ever said this. <laughs> This whole Hopner thing might not work out. <laughs> but what the fuck do I know? Brian is the reason people listen to this podcast. Brian is also the reason people stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> Jay is everyone's favorite. <laughs> yeah, right. And Jake isn't here this week, so fuck him. <laughs> True that. I just finished spending the winter in a remote desert somewhere in the southwest. Now that it is spring, I have returned to the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. I don't have internet or cable where I live, but I do have a cell signal. I use my data to watch some of the movies and shows you guys recommend. This works pretty good since I can't stop running long enough to watch much, too much TV. <laughs> Data is very expensive, so I have been looking for an alternative, and I think I have found it. I'm sure you remember getting Netflix in the mail. Well, they still offer this service, and so far it's been working great for me. I've been using less data and spending less money. It's also way more convenient than running into town to the nearest red box. Managing a DVD queue is also pretty nostalgic. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm working my way through Doctor Who, which I would not have considered be watching before listening to this podcast. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I'm also enjoying all of the wildlife here in my new surroundings. Way more diverse up here, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm talking about having sex with animals. <laughs> Sincerely, Wilderness John. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, thank you, Wilderness oh, John. Nice, nice to hear from him. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad he's doing well. Man, you know, I, I always worry if it's been a few weeks and I haven't heard from Wilderness John. I don't know if he's been eaten by, like, a, a mountain lion. Yeah, Or if bear. he's been bald by a mare. Or if he if he fell into, like, a, uh, a gorilla pit. Oh, God, And yeah. he's being dragged around like a young child. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! It. Yeah, that fucking happened. That did happen. Yeah, yeah. fucking. If, if Facebook didn't tell you about it, you fucking saw it on Good Morning America. Good Morning America. Monkeys are fucking dragging your kids around in the water. <laughs> <laughs> nice thing to wake up to. <laughs> I wish every story on Good Morning America started with "Good Morning America," like you just. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, America. We have another Amber Alert. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank, uh, this has been episode 141. I want to thank uh, Jacob Harmon for joining us on this episode. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Aaron Claude Miller from Nerd Porn. Uh, people tell, uh, Aaron, tell people where they can find you and listen to you. 
Well, if you turn your safe search off, you can find us on iTunes <laughs> at Nerd Porn. Uh, and, you know, ex- with a space spelled exactly as you think. And then everywhere else is Nerd Porn, O is a zero, all one word, except for uh, Instagram, which is uh, Nerd Podcast, because Chris Hardwick can suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> John from Friday Night Fandom. Have, have you been on this episode? Is he really here? Oh yeah, I was here. I don't know know much about Star Wars, man. I know, don't sweat it, dude. Uh, John, tell people about your podcast, what you guys talk about week to week, and then tell people where they can find you. So I'm the host of the Friday Night Fandom podcast, uh, where we talk about comic books. I usually have a like a bunch of different guests on every week. Um, You can just Google Friday Night Phantom, and if you can't find anywhere to listen to us, then you probably don't deserve to listen to us. (laughs) Uh, If you listen, please listen to part one and two of the Fleshlight saga. (laughs) It is the greatest podcasting there is on the internet. John, tell our listeners a little bit about the Fleshlight experience. Come on. Okay. Um, So basically what happened was I won a Fleshlight in a contest. I used it one time, reviewed it, wasn't a fan, and then gave it to my cousin, which is also my co-host, and then he used it and then also reviewed it on a follow-up episode. (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, that's, uh, I believe that's like within the last 10 episodes. Oh, wow. I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's with, yeah, it's been, it was, I was laughing at my desk so fucking hard the other day to the part of your cousin talking about it. <laughs> Why did you not title it Friday Night Faptum? <laughs> oh, shit. That's, I don't know. I'm not good at fucking titles or openings. You need to reach out what? to me before you do these things, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, John. Check Definitely check out Nerd Porn. Subscribe. Definitely check out Friday Night Fandom. Get all your fucking comic book fucking news from Friday Night Fandom. Uh, but uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us this episode. Like, I don't think Jay has enjoyed himself so much on an episode uh, in a long time. Jay, oh, yeah, I had a blast. Every time we took a break, Jay was just like, man, these guys are great. I'm having a great time. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you guys. I'm yeah, a fan really of yours, Jay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was glad for, uh, you know, I've been listening forever and I was glad you came back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, you, you guys have been great. Great to talk to this episode. A lot yeah, of fun. Yeah. yeah. A lot of fun, guys. This has been episode, uh, 141. Uh, thanks for listening. And just like all good leftovers saying their doggy bags, thank you for listening and thank you for your patronage. We'll see you sons of bitches next week. Yeah. Is it World of Warcraft next week? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I guess. Is that fucking I shit love- actually happening? We'll see. Uh, I love Warcraft lore. I didn't, you know, not World of Warcraft stuff, but Warcraft 1, 2, and 3 were my shit. So I'm tentatively excited to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Hey, Duncan Duncan Jones is awesome, too. So I'm hoping there's some something in there that's good. Duncan Sheik? (laughs) Duncan Duncan Hines? Duncan Hines? No, I'm I'm not... David Bowie's son. I know. I'm fucking with you. Oh, Dun- Duncan okay. Sheik was that, that. Duncan Sheik was that guy in the '90s that sang that song. And I am barely breathing, and oh I can God. find the year. <laughs> I don't know who I. Don't know who I am. I'm imagining <laughs> you can, so I can stand here waiting, a fool for another day. I don't. <laughs> This song is shit. I said I would pay you. <laughs> yeah, but we all know it. This is my one-hit wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it doesn't go away. 
You know what I heard the other day? What's that? Kelsey and I were leaving a restaurant and fucking Lifehouse was on. Ew. Oh, my God. Can oh I tell you God. a ridiculous story? Like, my girlfriend back in 2001, our song was, was a Lifehouse song. <laughs> <laughs> you deserved whatever happened. Good thing that's over. With. It fucking it went down in flames, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you, sons of bitches, next week. Oh, shit. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers We love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.